Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. It's Tuesday. You know what that means. Rest in peace to Mr. Brody Lee. We'll talk about him later a little bit in, uh, well, certainly not stuff we like, but whatever come, whatever you talk about before stuff we like. Really a sad week. Fuck, sad year. It just keeps coming. Um, first off, uh, I'm Dr. Law. With me as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also with me, Kid Presentable. Hey, doing, fellas? Doing okay. Finally joining us this week, Lavender Goose. Hey, guys. So, folks, we promised it. Um, don't know if you asked for it, but we certainly promised it. We are doing uh, our bracket for the best uh, MMA walkout song with a heavy lean towards the UFC, if we're being honest. But you know what? One day we're going to do uh, best uh, MMA walkout period in which it's going to be 16 different Genki Sudo entrances. Really? Um, I don't Like I said, many. if you want to do straight up best entrance, then uh, <laughs> take your top four, put them in whatever order you like. We'll argue who is the which is the best one. Mm. Um, off the top of my head, I do really like the uh, baseball one. And uh, the one where he's the geisha with the fan dance. I was going to say, that, that, uh, I like that one. I, yeah, that was the one I liked personally. I know I think if we limit it to one Genki Sudo, Genki Sudo, he still wins. But like, we can at least talk about like, hey, remember when Anderson Silva dressed like Michael Jackson or something like that? I mean, that, <laughs> that could really work, Bobby, is if we just have Genki Sudo as one run and each round he wins, we talk about a different entrance and why he's winning. Well, let me tell uh, you, that, we're about we're about Genki to talk. We're about to talk about music today, and that one's we're going to talk about entirely a visual component. So we got to figure that out. Um, all right, boys and girls, we spent the last couple weeks on this. Actually, it is not as haphazard as our uh, action movie one, where halfway through it we're like, "Oh shit, Indiana Jones." Um, so we got it down to sixteen. Um, we got ourselves some honorable mentions. So I figure we'll go through the first couple rounds. And then we'll do honorable mentions right before the final four. Does that sound good, guys? Sounds like a plan. All righty. Sorry, Steph, go ahead. Oh, no, that's totally fine. Um, I, I was going to use some of them to kind of lead into how we're doing this and, like, our criteria, but we well, can we can also... Do, you know, we, we can do that if we want. I don't yeah, mind. You need to set the table first. We need Let's to do that. That's fine. That we'll, we'll, it's you know, about the songs and not about, like, you kind of just were you know, talking Steph, about. Go ahead. Why don't you explain what it is? We can talk about some uh, some of our our one-offs you know our special honorable sure. mentions too. yeah okay. you know so we're doing best walkout songs this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart uh if you've been with us from the start i incredibly inconsistently would sometimes occasionally rank the walkout music from the pay-per-view cards we watched mm -hmm. but um you guys know it seems like in the last year they've really kind of turned down the volume on the entrance you just don't hear them as prominently do you think that's a disney thing like espn um yeah, I mean, licensing music is the most yeah. expensive thing in entertainment. So if they dialed it back, you know, it's like they do on YouTube, right? You pitch it up a couple times. That way they don't pull your reaction video down. Um, music is definitely a finicky thing. But that said, music is such a subjective thing. So, you know, some of you listening, you, you might not agree with the choices. 
you're going to have at least one fighter of how did we not include so-and-so in the top 16. But again, there's a lot of subjective criteria here. Um, for me, I was talking to the fellows before, um, not every song will hit this checklist across the board, but I think when you kind of have the last winner standing, it'll kind of hit all these metrics of, one, it's a recognizable song, right? You hear it, you know it, you know what fighter is about to come out, and you associate that song with them. Two, does the song have a connection with the fighter? Is it a song that's just they like? Does it say something? Do we get a taste of their personality? Does it feel like, man, that song really fits who they are? And like, kind of another one that I kind of didn't subtly mention, if they're a good fighter kind of matters, because as you might hear in some of our uh, honorable mentions, they're good, but there never have been any stakes when that guy was walking out to that song or that lady yeah. was walking out to that song, you know? When you have a song that's a walkout and it's a high-tension moment and you know the championship's about to go down, that adds to it, right? Yeah. So there's a lot it, of things that go into make that if perfect I may, If I may add one more factor that is literally a wrestling factor... There's got to be a pop when that song comes on in the arena. That's fair. Even if it's even even when you when uh, Akiyama comes out to you know Bocelli, you hear the crowd get into it. They're like, "Yeah, it's right." <laughs> well, it's totally you know, different because in pro wrestling, you normally don't know who's coming out, yeah. and that first lyric, you know, name that song in so many notes, is literally telling you like who's coming out. Well, also, there's also a giant video screen in MMA. You, we kind of have a card. We know who's coming up. You know, Akiyama's coming up. But I do agree, there is you know a factor will be in you know the first couple notes. Does that captivate and memorize the audience? Um, so first, you know, let's do some honorable mentions though. Let's do that first. Why not? Um, and then, you know, we have a list here, guys. Uh, try not to pick anything that's on the bracket, obviously. I'll lead us off. So I've been to a number of UFC events uh, with the guys here. And we've seen Dennis Seaver fight, I feel, at least three or four times. And the first time Dennis Seaver walked out and the song was uh, Papa Roach, Last Resort. Um, which, I mean, if you don't, I mean, everybody knows this song, but if you don't, you know, Cut my life into pieces. There you go. You got it. Um, Dennis Seaver is a uh, German by way of Russia or Russia by way of German. Um, and I remember the first time it came out, we just started laughing because it just made us happy. Um, that has a special place in my heart. And he, that's his song, man. It's like Machida when he comes out to Lincoln Park. It doesn't necessarily fit, but that's their song. And you know what? <laughs> I appreciate consistency there. So that's one for me, honorable mention. I think that's a great example, Bob. I think we were kind of brainstorming this. We're like, some guys just walk out to a song they like. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't have any message. It does not any type of hype song. But you can tell this guy just likes this song. Um, for me, we, I kind of talked before we went on air. The One of the big kind of honorable mention guys is Curtis Blades, who comes out to the Mortal Kombat theme from the Mortal Kombat original soundtrack of the 90s fame. Um I imagine most of our demographic knows this movie and they remember it quite fondly. I love the song. I said by pure song alone, that's a top 10 for me, but it's just kind of random that Curtis Blades comes out to it. I don't see Mike. You gave me the name. That's fine. Like I said, I've never heard the man talk about video games. I never heard him say he's a fan of mortal Kombat. I never like, you know, I know the nerds Mike in the world. Curtis Blades, I've never gotten the nerd vibe from him. So it's just out of left field. Here's my question to you though. I've got two questions for you, though. Have you ever seen an interview where he's asked about the Mortal Kombat theme in video games? And two, I mean, let's be honest. How many Curtis Blades interviews are you watched? Are you perusing the internet for Curtis Blades sound bites? 
He has been main event enough times for me to see his little black interview things. You're right. I mean, I'm not devouring the content, but look, if you're going to come after that song, you're going to bring that to the table, Mike. You're going to sit down at the table and like, yo, reporter, you know what I want to talk about? Let's talk about Mortal Kombat. Because what did Marcus Brimage do? He never missed a chance to talk about Piccolo. He, no one asked him about Piccolo. He talked about Piccolo. Maybe, maybe if he talked a little less about Dragon Ball Z and trained a bit more, you know, maybe he'll be in the UFC. Who knows? Um, Mike, you got one that sticks out. I know there's one you put yes. out there. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, speaking about um, people picking songs because they just like it, and it really has nothing to do with fighting. I would hope this has nothing to do with fighting. Is uh, Kamal Shalrus blame mm-hmm. it on the alcohol? Oh yeah. Um, I don't even know if that's a good song to walk out to, but it was one of those just such a random song. The first time I heard it in uh, was it in Newark, New Jersey? Yeah, or, uh... that was another one where we just started laughing. I was so happy. Nobody cared besides you and me because he was facing some. I think he was facing Jim Miller, so they were all booing him anyway, basically. But like we were into it. <laughs> I believe that was the first time I had heard of Kamal Shalarus. And from that day, I was a fan, man. Like, if Kamal Shalarus was going into the octagon, it was to blame it on the alcohol. And I'm like, I want this man to win. And then I think I, I think during that fight, I asked Bobby, wait, this dude's Muslim. Are they allowed to drink? And I'm just like, well, yeah, basically. <laughs> if you know people in Iran. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe. I believe in the walk-up to then when i asked you are muslims even allowed to drink that bobby answered me the drunkest people i've ever seen is in dry iran yeah that is an accurate statement when you ban people from doing stuff they go off um marcus you got one <laughs> uh yeah i only have one uh, when i was thinking about this um obviously like you mentioned before bob you know we are skewing a little bit more ufc there are, are a couple pride guys in here that had a consistent song throughout their pride and ufc career um, the one that I remembered when we were looking over this the other night was uh, Bob Saps. And I think for good reasons, we took it off our list, uh, mostly because he does come out to Ric Flair's song. Do you know what that song's called, Bob? Because it's um, not really like a song song. It's like an... Yeah, <laughs> I know it's a, it's a, it has a real it's, name. It's, 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 uh, it's like a classical piece from the 1800s. Right. I'll, I'll, yeah. Um, I'll and I think... Yeah, and what I, was about to, I was about to suggest it was the Migos Ric Flair drip, and I'm like, wait a second. Bob Saps. <laughs> Rick Flair drip was not around in the mid 2000s, but but mostly a lot of that song. I mean, one I I first and foremost, it, it's like Rick Flair song. So I I, th- I think when someone else has already established that as their entrance song, it's hard to come and gape that. Um, and mostly even after that, it was m- it was more of his entertaining uh, entrance that really brought it into into the fold. And if you don't. If you haven't seen it, I do recommend you looking it up because Bob Sapp is just one giant mountain of a man. He would come out draped in this silky white cape. And as they're playing the song, each time it goes, da-da, he would curl up and get himself smaller. And each time he gets himself smaller until basically he's in a squat. You can't even see the man. He's nothing but a, a, a silk sheet. And then the last one, he explodes up, arms to his side like in a giant cross just exposing the the beast that is bob sap and honestly for a lot of his most recent fight that's probably the most entertainment you're gonna get out of his fights as he gets hit once and covers up and and you know basically goes into tko mode but um yeah i thought that was always a very fun entrance but the song itself already kind of claimed by you know rick flair and it was mostly the entrance that really uh you know stuck with me so i think it was right that we took it off the list but something to mention uh, the name of the song is dawn it's a section of Sparach. 
Zarathustra. Zarathustra. I don't know. That's the name of the song. Um, so that's that's it. <laughs> if you don't mind, Bob, right. before we get into it, um, I just wanted to give one more specifically because it's the last cut for me. Um, I ended up putting together the final seating on our Ultimate 16. So if you have any complaints about the placement, you know who to direct your ire at. But um, coming in, that I would just call it 17 because it was the last cut in. Um, and that was Daniel Cormier coming out to Lil Wayne and Drake's right above it. Uh, I kind of spoke to you guys like, I feel like it was fair to cut it, even though I do think this is one of the best song associations in the UFC to me. Um, the lyric of the hook is, you know you're at the top when only heaven's right above it. We on. And getting to the top, Daniel Cormier, you kind of associate his whole story with his strive and path to greatness, right? All the roadblocks of John Jones to getting to be possibly the greatest heavyweight until, you know, recency bias of Stipe. But, like, it's just a really good association. It's got an immediate kind of catch sound it you know the song it starts with these, these three horns blaring like bum 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 so it's like that's a very pro wrestling-esque thing right is yeah. the horns welcoming the warrior so uh mikey mentioned he kind of just sprints out right so there's no time to really sit on the song you know he doesn't have an audio cue that he kind of hits like so it's there in the background but it's kind of easy to ignore it so the ambiance isn't quite perfect but um to me it really really was a great in terms of song match to fighter um Cormier had a really good one through his UFC career. All righty. Um, let's, uh, let me give you guys the, the seedings here. So first matchup in the uh, first overall seed, Ronda Rousey coming out to Joan Jett's bad reputation, um, taking on the number 16 seed uh, from Joseph Benavidez. Song is uh, Stranglehold by Ted Nugent. One of the greatest songs, one of the greatest rock songs ever from one of the biggest, really, pieces of shit out there. But um, next matchup, number eight seed, Michael Bisping coming out to Blur's Song 2, which is otherwise known as the only Blur song you know. Um, taking on number nine seed, Forrest Griffin, and I honestly didn't know she came out to this. Um, Holly Holmes and Forrest Griffin coming, Holly Holm coming, and Forrest Griffin coming out to the Dropkick Murphys shipping up to Boston. We have the number four seed, Anderson Silva, coming out to DMX's Ain't No Sunshine, taken on the number third, 13 seed, Yoshihiro Akiyama's Time to Say Goodbye by Andrea, Andrea Bocelli and uh, Sarah Brightman. Is that who it was? Oh, I wrote it, so it makes sense. Um, number five seed, Conor McGregor, with his own special blend of... Uh, Sinead O'Connor's Foggy Dew as a leadoff, followed by the Notorious B.I.G.'s uh, Notorious, um, taking on the 12 seed. Notorious into hypnotize, Bobby. It oh, is sorry. a three-song mix. That's true. Notorious into hypnotize. Got that wrong there. And then that's taking on the number 12 seed, Mirko Krokop, coming out to Duran Duran's Wah Boys. Wah Boys. That one's got a special place in my heart. Um Number two seed overall, Uriah Faber coming out to Tupac's California Love, taking on Brock Lesnar in the number 15 seed, Metallica's Enter Sandman. The only scenario where Uriah Faber is a favorite over Brock Lesnar, possibly in any form of life, including a foot race, I think, to be honest. <laughs> um, I would say biggest chin. I know. I may be like by, by, by pound, chin by pound, maybe. He's got no baby. I know, but like, uh, okay, that's true. <laughs> Um, number seven, Donald Cerrone coming out to Kid Rock's Cowboy, possibly the most on-brand song on this list. Taking on uh, Wonder Boy, Stephen Thompson coming out to Tenacious D's Wonder Boy. Very appropriate. 
Stefan did not match these two up on accident. Um, number three seed, Jose Aldo coming out to Jay-Z and Rihanna's Run This Town, taking on Chris Weidman coming out to Tom Petty's Won't Back Down. Uh, the number six seed, Chan Sung Jung, uh, the Cranberries Zombie, taking on Vanderlei Silva coming out to DJ Darude Sandstorm. Vanderlei Silva and DJ Darude at number 11 seed, Stefan. I people- feel like that's, that's a misseed. <laughs> Uh, we'll see. Higher or lower? Because I'll I'll tell you totally my thing. For me, it hurts it that it, the song became a meme. It's just that's just Vanderlei's. I don't know. That's Vanderlei's song for me. It's always has been. Um, the memification I, I, I of would, it has spoiled it for me. I I will say. I, I would say it's it should have been higher than Holly than Dropkick Murphy. Uh, I don't Michael Bisping. What I helps would, and hurts that song's case is that there's like 30 Irish fighters. So here, so it. here's the thing: our bracket really doesn't matter because we just gonna have a winner either way. It's not like you know we're gonna say, oh, these guys are the shit. You know they made the elite eight. Like it just these are 16. All right, um, let's go into it. The first overall seeds: Ronda Rousey and Joan Jett, "Bad Reputation," a song she also used. So the WWE opened up the purse strings here. Use this when she wrestled. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, Miss Joan Jett played the song at WrestleMania in front of 60, 70,000 people over at uh, MetLife in the shadows of New York City because the WWE didn't want to say New Jersey. Um, on the other end of that, Benavidez, Ted Nugent, Stranglehold. I mean, I've just associated that song with him a long time. I think this is an easy one, personally, so I'm not going to really, you know... Just I have a memory of like being in the arena when Ronda came out to smash um, Alexis Davis with Mark and Steph, and uh, it's one of the I don't know it's that's her song I, I think it's I think it fits her very well. Bad reputation is accurate. It became more accurate as time went on. I think that's a perfect song for her, and I think that's actually one of the, the way she walks out to it, just with like anger, really like just the biggest chip on her shoulder. I think it all kind of fits well together. So that's my pick. Yeah, I think we are well in agreement here. You know, um, we'll have multiple opportunities to talk about why Bad Reputation and why it's a good song for Ronda. So since we're going to say goodbye to it, I I feel like, you know, I'll just comment on why Benavidez and Stranglehold make the list and opposed to hyping up Bad Reputation at the moment. uh, You know, one thing, as we put this together, you can see there's a little bit of a bias because in terms of other people's lists I saw and a lot of the people were excluding, we're not so much the classic rock guys. Bobby does have that in him, um, but that's my musical taste doesn't just lie there, right? There's a lot of country boys. There's a lot of Matt Browns, a lot of Matt Hughes's that kind of just ignored because that music's not my taste. But, um, you know, this is a Ted Nugent's in that category for me. But, you know, said it's, it's grimy. It's stranglehold. Benavidez has double digit chokes, right? He always kind of walked with that seriousness grin. He's not a city boy. Um, he, kind of comes from a rural area himself kind of hard times it just all fit him really well and he used it for a long long time so you knew it was coming um i mean if you're gonna yeah. cho- if you're gonna choke people out in a manner that they have to tap out with their feet you know like you did to tim elliott stranglehold fits well um mike your thoughts <laughs> i had to listen to what this stranglehold song is earlier today because I know shit about country music. Is Ted, Ted Nugent is country music? Nah, it's, raw, it's is, classic rock. Is that rock. what we're inferring here? No, he's just, I mean, he's, oh, okay. it's just classic rock. It's classic rock. He's a country scumbag okay. in general, but he, it's a classic uh, rock song. 
the, the most I know about Ted Nugent is that he's super right wing. Yeah. So it's a real separating the art from the artist with that song, buddy. Just letting you know, it's one of those. Marcus, anything additional? Yeah, I mean, a, much like Mike, it was something I had to look up. And mostly it's just like, okay, I know who Ted Nugent is for not his musical mm-hmm. expertise, but for, you know, his political views or whatever. Um, and when I listen to the song, I automatically recognize it. It is a very popular uh, classic rock song. And I think it is a very good walkout song. It has a very, the tempo is kind of low pace. It It is kind of a hard rock, but not like screaming in your face. I think it's a pretty good entrance song overall, but it's not something that I necessarily even knew Benavides walked out to. You know, I, I think it does fit somewhat of his fight style where he does get a lot of guillotine chokes and stuff, but it wasn't something, you know, that I associated strongly with that fighter. I think it's a good song. I think it deserves to be on the list. Obviously, with the seating, this is a very easy choice. Um, but honestly, at the end of the day, I was like, okay, that's not a bad song. Um, it just, the fighter that it came out to did not, it did not resonate as strong. Like Stefan said, it resonated strongly with him. Like, I, if you asked me who Benavidez's song he came out to, I had no idea. I had to look it up. So, yeah, it was for that. But when I did listen to the song, I was like, okay, this is not, this is worthy of being on the list. This is not something I'm going to fight for to get off the list, but obviously does not make it out of the first round. Michael Biz, this is going to be a tough one. Because I'm going back and forth as I'm reading it a bunch here. Michael's Bisping coming out to Blur's Song 2. Um, and Forrest Griffin and Holly Holmes. Dropkick Murphy shipping up to Boston. Um, I let off the last one. So if anybody wants to start off with their argument for this one. I'll start off. This one was a little bit easier for me. Um even though I also associate a different song with Michael Bisbing, I actually, he only came out to it once. I think it's when he fought in London. He came out to uh, London's Falling from the Clash. Mm-hmm. And I really like that song. I thought it fit pretty well. A very low-key song. Um, but more often than not, he does come out to Song 2 from Blur, which I think is a really fun entrance song. It has a lot of energy. Like we mentioned in the opening, first beat's like, woohoo! You know instantly what that song is. Mm-hmm. It has fun energy. Bisbing usually is running to the cage. Um, it's why i'm picking it also because the dropkick murphy song it just it's i'm gonna say this doesn't scream irish it's so irish it's so white it's so departed that was what i was gonna say departed that's what i associate it with i think think that's something that you know when, when i'm personally judging these songs you know if there's some other stronger association with that song outside of this person's entrance it loses some points for me and that's kind of what this is um i don't associate this song with those fighters, even though they might have come out to it multiple times, it's the departed song. And even then I'm just kind of like, eh, it, it, it just, it's so, <laughs> it's just so Irish. It's like too much for me. It's like pump the brakes a little I, bit. I, I wonder much. if it's like when people from Boston listen to a song like California love, or we'll get into it. They're like, well, I'm not from there. Like, I feel if I was from Boston, this song would be the shit. For maybe. Me. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's the, yeah just, I, I honestly have the same argument. You do. Because, like, I'm not that strong. Because Michael Bisping is coming out to a song from an English band. And a lot of times he was fighting in England. Like he has a lot of fights in England for the UFC. He was basically ambassador to the UK for them. And the crowd is always going nuts for this shit too. And people love Forrest too, but that is the departed song for me. That's why I go with, I agree with you. I got Bisping. Mike? I would agree with that reasoning. I do associate that Dropkick Murphy song with a movie rather than with Forrest Griffin and uh, Holly Holm. I it's back to that old thing where it's like i had to think for a second like wait a second is that well what song is that that far as griffin and holly home come out to oh yeah it's that it's that shit from the leonardo DiCaprio movie right um i'm gonna go with michael bisping on this one just more from you know just blase attitude 
when it comes to Forrest Griffin and Holly Holm. Steph, I know it's already three, 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 side, three on one side, but what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to clean sweep it because I'm there with y'all. Um, yeah, kind of the knock. Uh, so when I entered this bracket, I hit a character limit because I wrote Forrest Griffin slash Holly Holmes slash so many FN other fighters that have any hint of Irish DNA that this song has lost all meaning to me. Um, it's super recognizable. That's what it has going for it. That kind of, I don't know what the name of the instrument that they use, but there's that, that horn riff that plays. Obviously, if you know that, if you moment you hear this song, you've heard it before, you know it, but that's the thing. What you said with Bob Sapp, like in terms of someone else has claimed this song, this song, no one has claimed this song. Too many fighters come out to it. I don't think of it as any one fighters more than the other. <laughs> this it's is more scripted. Here, here, here's the question I have. Here's a question I have for you guys. Is this an Irish song or is this a Boston this Irish is, this song? This is a Boston because Irish what song. Actually, Irish people have never no, come out to this is a Boston, Murphy. This is a Boston Irish song. This is also more than a Boston song, even like it's for people in Boston who aren't even Irish. This song's about Boston. And props, man. Hey, let me tell you this. This is not the disparage the movie The Departed, which I fucking love. Just want to say, if you have not seen The Departed, I strongly recommend it. Put aside three hours because it's long. Yeah, um, and I would just say, like, it's a good song. And it's yeah. a good entrance song. And again, like, it's on the list because it, it checks off those things. Like, it is a good... It, I think there's lots of criteria for entrance songs to be good, whether it's high-octane pace, whether it's getting the fighter excited and amped up, whether it's in trying to intimidate the opponent... You know, it, there's certain things that these songs can try to to do, and I think this is easily a song that gets the the audience excited. I mean, I get slightly excited when I hear it too. I think it, it is a good entrance song, but it is kind of one of those things. It, it just be, comes off so Irish and so kind of overplayed that it doesn't hit those high notes uh, for me personally. By the way, the argument that this song is associated with someone else. Stay tuned for me making the same argument when we talk about Brock Lesnar enter Sandman. Um, but moving on, Michael Bisping, Blur, song two. It's song two or sound two. Song two. Song two. The whole album has no songs have a song. It's song one, song two, song three, song four. That's And song two was the best one. That's just the song from Blur. You, you know that song as the Blur song. Um, this one got a real bias situation for many of us, I think. Anderson, Stefan giving it a four seat. I think Stefan trying to hide our bias, <laughs> at least. Um, Mike, your camera's out. Um, Anderson Silva coming out to DMX's um, his cover or reimagining. Of it's a sample. Yeah, it uses sample. the song, but then kind of makes it. It, it was from a movie. Uh, uh, what's the guy? Uh, the Aikido guy, Steven Seagal. Um, it's from Exit Wounds, isn't it? Exit Wounds. Yes, if I'm right. DMX. Yeah, remember when the DMX movie. was in these movies? Those were. I had. A, we had. A, we saw all those movies. I had a good time at every one of them. So what to say? And in I case mean, you're wondering, Bobby, my camera's off because my internet is shit right now. Fair enough. Um, yeah, it's a sample of Bill Withers' Ain't No Sunshine, which, straight up, just song, in terms of a song, is a better song than the DMX version, probably. But um, Anderson came out to DMX's uh, Ain't No Sunshine. I think I've seen it live three or four times, to be honest. <laughs> we all have seen it live a couple times. That's taking on Sexy Yama's uh, come out, coming out to Andrea Bocelli and Sarah Brightman's uh, I lost the song title. Time to say it's time to say goodbye. Um, which I guess, especially, I mean, none of us can sing that song. It's really just if you think of Andrea Bocelli, that's that song. Um, this isn't close for me. This might be my favorite one. For um, this is obviously a very personal choice. I get the chills when Anderson comes out to that song. The fact that he stopped coming out to remember he came out to his kid song that was weird. 
I remember when he came out to that kid song that one time. I'm like, oh, this is done. Um, was it any good? I mean, it was whatever. It's his kid. I get it. Um, this is, for me, it's my favorite MMA walkout probably. And we'll see as it gets narrowed down here. I associate this song with Anderson Silva. This specific version of Ain't No Sunshine by DMX, that is Anderson Silva's song to me. It's the song he came out to when he won the title. It's the song he came out to when he defended the title 11 times. It's the song he came out to when he pulled it out of his ass against Chael Sonnen. It's the song he came out to when he lost to Chris Weidman. This is the Anderson Silva song for me. So I, I think this is easy. Um, um, Steph? I'd like to go next yeah. on this one because um, I think my take will be slightly interesting. Bobby, everything you said is 100% spot on. This Anderson Silva, is his entrance is amazing. Um, I think both of them, the entrance and the song, this is, if anything, Sexyama is underseated here because yeah. I mentioned that checklist that I have and his hits everything as well. Like all the, it hits the whole thing. Like Anderson, his entrance is aura. This song is slow. It's a slowed down version of a slow song. And it's brooding. Anderson, t- he doesn't Undertaker like takes minutes to get outside. This song is playing for a bit. He's you're doing the shake the- too. He does that like yeah, weird you're, shake. You're the atmosphere <laughs> with it. Um, and uh, sexy hummus is the same. So uh, here's a weird thing though: is I-, I mentioned fighter success helps an entrance. Fighter failure hurts one as well. Very true. Um, like I just said, Anderson's it relies on aura, and once that aura was shattered. This entrance lost a lot of luster. You know, it's like if your song was I'm undefeated, but then you lose a fight. You can't keep using it anymore. It's kind of gone. Um, my vote is to Sexyama in an upset here because uh, you know what Sexyama exudes? Class. He kept losing. <laughs> I know, but that's the thing is his losing didn't change what this was. And that that man is class. Like, that's how I sum him up. He's this handsome, good dude Win or lose, we don't care. What was that pride fighting spirit Marco was talking about? A good performance. It's not about wins or losses. So all the theme is through and through with this man. Coming out to like classical operatic music, he's got the gi on. He has Japan and Korean flags to represent his mixed heritage. He does the bow. By the way, those two have this blood racist feud with each other. And he's Mr. I'm the class, I'm the bridge between. He always bows politely, his cornermen with him. You know, the UFC, you don't, there's not a lot you can do with the entrance, like you said, Bob, right? It's pretty much you come out and do. But the spectacle of Akiyama's entrance and that moment, that pause, that it's something that's so rare. It's something that always drew my attention. Um, I like this song, too. It's not high on my playlist, but if I'm ever having the hankering for some type of operatic classical feel, this is a go-to song. This is a really, really good and beautiful song. Um, they're both spectacular, but... If, you know, kind of realizing it's the underdog, I want to ride for Sexyama. This entrance is one of my favorites, Mark. Like, period. Um, yeah, well, I actually agree most of the stuff. I am going, I'll just get this out ahead. I, I'm going to go with Anderson Silva, but I agree with everything Stefan said. And really why I'm not giving it to Sexyama is because outside of, and this is what we talked about before, you know, his entrance plays a big part in this song being successful. If he just walked out to the octagon just playing this opera shit, it wouldn't it would not impact at all. Because he comes out there holding hands with his cornerman, because they sit and have a prayer in the middle of the walkout. For me, Bob, it's it's what you were saying with Anderson. Like it's emotionally touching to uh-huh. me to hear that song and to see them come out and have a prayer 
in the middle of the entrance is extremely impactful and emotional when I when I watch it. And and that entrance holds a lot of weight. Where I'm going with Anderson though is because this is the song that I, I think Stefan also nailed it. It just exudes his aura. It plays off of his his abilities in the octagon. And I think ultimately when you when you look at Akiyama, it's like you give someone else that entrance, they just walk out. That song doesn't work at all. It, it completely falls. It, it, it fails on a lot of levels on what I would judge for a good entrance song. But because of how Akiyama comes out and because of the entrance performance, even in the UFC where there's basically none of that shit, they don't. I'm surprised they let him do any of it. I'm surprised there wasn't guards just going under his arm, be like, you can't just sit down here, dude. You got to get the octagon. We have a show to run here. Um, I think it makes it incredibly special. I would probably pick Sexyama, except we talked about the criteria of it not being so much of it is is placed on the entrance and, and the theatrics of that of that entrance. And Akiyama is coming out to the octagon and, and doing the prayer. And I think a lot of it in Steph, I totally agree. I'm glad you mentioned him being South Korean and Japanese and how much tension there is there and how this song is it like it, it really feels like this peaceful, loving song that we're about to watch like these two guys beat the shit out of each other and having that contrast and having it work, I think is extremely difficult and he comes out to it so well. He hits all the points he needs to, to, to make it work. Um, but why I'm ultimately not picking is I don't think anyone else could pull it off. Um, I think if you don't do all those things, the song just doesn't work um, in what an entrance song is supposed to do. So I do give it to Anderson Silva because I do think his song works so well for him. Um, and it could work well for other people. I think Sexyama is the only person that could pull off that song. That's why ultimately I'm not going to pick it. Mike. I'm going with Anderson mainly because as funny as I thought when Sexyama was in his prime, you know, ethnically Korean Japanese dude coming out to an Italian opera singer as odd and out there as I thought that was, and how fitting that made that song his, you kind of got to win some more for me for, uh, you know, to win in this matchup when you're going up against one of the goats at 185. So, Anderson, you're my guy. Advancing. Ain't no sunshine. Anderson Silva. This next one. Um, Conor McGregor with like three songs. Really. But those are his three songs. Sinead O'Connor's Foggy Do and then Notorious B.I.G.'s both Notorious and Hypnotize. Um, Mirko Krokop, the man who I've mentioned a couple weeks ago, for the longest time you'd go on YouTube, look up the song Wild Boys, and half the comment, comments would be people talking about Krokop and the other half would be, ooh, the fuck is Krokop? Um, this is like, I, I look, I'm, I'm just going to, I mean, I'm, I'm going with Connor. But I'll let you guys explain it, your reasonings. But I'm just going to go with Connor because, but it's it's closer than a five versus twelve for me. It's really close, honestly. Um, that song really is Krokop to me. But Connor's the man, and like I know that whole combination is the Connor walkout. It's part of it. Theatrics, the weird fucking face he makes when the camera gets on him. Like that's all part of it. You know, it all comes together for me there. So that's what I got, Mike. <laughs> I'm going with Connor mainly because I've never even heard the uh, Duran Duran song. What is it? The Wolf? The Wild Boys. The Wolves? Yeah. The Wild, oh, the wild Boys. Look, look how off I am. I don't even know what song Mirko Krokov's ever come out to. And you know what? I'm not disparaging the song or Krokop 
But this is one of those things where this was just a bit too much before my time. Like by the time Crow Cop really came into my uh, consciousness, you know, he was getting, you know, he was already on the downward spiral in in the UFC. Um, yeah. Although I did see Juiced Up Crow Cop fight in uh, Japan. You also and saw he was very good. There. Not Juiced Up Crow. Well, I mean, probably not Juiced Up Crow Cop fight in New Jersey, and then Brendan Schaub dribbled his head off the mat. So it didn't really leave a lasting impression then. Yeah, you didn't really see a lot of prime Crow Cop being terrifying. So fair enough. Uh, Stefan. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Mark, you go. Okay. Uh, yeah, I am going with Crow Cops. Mostly because I don't mind fighters doing mashups. You're picking three songs, dude. You got to own something. You can't just cut to this, cut to that. Cut. <laughs> you gotta, may, you may, I, Bobby, there, I mean, may, may I, Mark? Yes. Also remember that two of those songs come from the notorious B.I.G. Does that they, they do? But it's three fucking songs, and 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 probably okay. my biggest my biggest issue with his entrance song is the first one, uh, Shanae O'Connor. I, I like you, Mike. I don't have any. There's no there's no correlation there with me. I, I don't know. I had I I pulled that song because what I did was I actually listened to all the songs and the ones I didn't know. Like this one, I was like, okay, let me pull this up. What the fuck is this? And I'm listening to it. And I'm like. I was live at the event she played live and it did nothing for me because I didn't know what the fuck that song was because he doesn't really come out to that song. He comes out to five seconds of it. So I guess the Irish fans all all jazzed up and then he comes out to five seconds of Notorious. He's like, I don't like that song. Let's cut to the other one. Crow Cop comes out to one fucking song and Mike, you weren't there. But what I knew about Duran Duran before I watched Crow Cop is people didn't like Duran Duran. It was not a cool song. Coming out to Wild Boys was some weak ass shit. And when Crow Cop came out to it, he looked like a fucking G. It's a good ass song. It has a good hook. And I think it is the longevity of seeing him come out, seeing him transition. Like, that's a song that obviously existed before Crow Cop started coming out, and he fucking owned it. Because to, to me, Duran Duran, what all, all I heard was like, oh, it's an 80s band. They're kind of hokey or whatever, or kind of jokey, and people didn't take them seriously. And my first exposure to them was watching this Croatian guy come out to the song, and everyone be like, oh man, he's coming out to this song? That guy crazy. And then as he climbs the ranks and as he's working fools and collecting scalps, the song becomes badass because this guy made it badass. That song is kind of cool. Crow Cop made that song cool. Now that's fucking owning an entrance song. That's taking something that you like and your badassness, making it better than what it actually is. And, and, and I, I do recommend listening to the song. Um, I don't think it's going to have the resonance because, you know, I think living through that time, finding out like who Crow Cop is, seeing his his rise to greatness and having that song be such a pillar because it is it becomes part of his aura i think really exude a lot to me and connor i think the notorious thing's great you know because that's his name if it's his thing i think having this the sinead o'connor song which again to me just i don't have that connection at all so there's no it's, when i hear it that ending, yeah it's not really like it's a very soft-spoken song just to like and i think yeah and honestly when we're talking about entrance songs and we were at an event the only event UFC ever had a live band and I didn't know who it was or what the song was I had no there was no excitement the only the only reason why I was excited because everyone else around us was excited like oh this this lady she's fucking great she's yeah. awesome we're all excited I was like I never You're I like, we're not, like we're not Irish sorry to the 80 70 yeah, so percent of you that are Irish notorious <laughs> B.I.G. stuff totally fits in fine but again, when you're cutting up three songs, it's like, okay, you look, if you like the beginning of a song, because it has a good hook opening, and then you want to cut to another one, that's fine. But it's like when you want, I want this, and I want this, and we're going to cut, and it's like, nah, dude, you, you did one too many for Mark here. 
Krokop comes out to one lame ass song and he made it cool. That wins. Stefan, pick Krokop, please. Um, I am not going to. Uh, Mark it's, it's made such an Mark made no, such Mark, an impassioned argument. <laughs> as Mark said with my my impassioned Sexyama argument, I agree with it all. It's what your lead-in comment said about the YouTube comments. This is Krokop's song. Mm -hmm. People don't go to it because they're Duran Duran fans. They go to this song because, man, I like that song that Krokop was a badass to. So it's it's all there. And it's got it's fun to chant. This is one of the strengths of Michael Bisping's song. Everyone in the crowd gets to play. You know, we can all do a very simple two syllable. You don't have to know the song. You don't have to know the verses. You don't have to know the bridge. You know how to yell, wild boys. Wild boys, like, wild boys. That's all you got to do, like, man. <laughs> and the, the, the play along part is fine. Um, I'm going to defend the mix. Uh, I, I, The thing is, it is always the mix. It's not messy. John Jones does the two, three song mix, and it's messy. He starts with that, uh, that little kind of preamble from 50 Cent. And then what comes next is a mystery box. He could be in Toronto, Canada, and it'll be I'm coming home. Because you know that New York guy who talks about being from New York and now lives in New Mexico? Because he's from Toronto. So that one time it was the champ is here. The one time it was a different 50 Cent song. It's inconsistent. So, But Connors, whether you think the flow works, it works for me because it's consistent. I know the progression at this point. I know what the beats are going to be. So I look forward to it. And his is kind of like Anderson, and I think it is going to be appropriate that they'll face each other in the next round, I believe, in the Elite Eight, because like I said with Anderson's song, it's about their aura, and this song is Connor's aura. It's the, I'm proud of my Irish heritage, and I want to be a gangsta G. And going to Notorious B.I.G. to communicate that is I'm Irish, but I'm fucking hip-hop. I'm fucking rap. And you know, whether you buy into that, if you believe it's for show, it's the persona that he embodies, so it just fits so well. Yep, that's uh, that's fair. Um, advancing Conor McGregor with the three song medley there, two biggies and a Sinead O'Connor. Um, all right, this next one for me is maybe the biggest layup on this whole thing. Shorter than actually more than the first one, to be honest. Uriah Faber, California Love, a song that I mean that is not his. I mean that is that song is still California Love. We're from California. That is not just you know you don't think of Uriah Faber necessarily. However, Uriah Faber been coming out to California Love for as long as I've known who Uriah Faber is. Marcus probably knows longer than I have. Do you even remember Uriah Faber coming out to anything else? No, I mean I don't. Yeah, I I knew about Faber before there was video of yeah. him. You know, your dog was on Faber fucking early because of uh, early WEC shit. So I was like, this 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 cat's cool. But yeah, that's I I can't remember him coming out to anything else. Yeah, so um, it's literally your favorite came out to the song for so long that he wanted to change it, and Dana White's like, "No, nah, man, that's your brand. You come out to California Love," and he's like, "Apparently, Uriah Faber's like, can I come out to Going Back to Cali by Notorious B.I.G.? It's still a song about California. No, you are coming out to California Love, and you'll like it." Um, Brock Lesnar. I never, heard, I never heard of uh, people being told, "No, you have to come out to a song before." So I mean, it's a, their broadcast; they can they can do whatever you want, really. Um, Brock Lesnar, Metallica, and or Sandman. Honestly, nah. I think I, th I think Brock Lesnar was just like, let me just pick some badass shit. And this song, my I mean, in terms of badass songs, it fits him to a T. Let me be honest. But Enter Sandman is. Let me tell you something right now. Hold on, I got this, Bob. Okay, Give me go. the ball. All right, and let me tell you something right now. And this is coming from a Mets fan. 
there is only one person Enter Sandman is associated with. We're gonna disagree said, with this immediately. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say I you're talking. Said, me, the three of us are said, thinking. What's it gonna? Three of us no. are thinking of an exactly different person, Mike. Yeah, no, but go ahead. That's where I said I got the ball. Okay, right? go ahead. I'm ISO right now. I'm go ahead, ISO Mike. Right go now. ahead, Mike. All right. <laughs> it's that goddamn closer for the New York Yankees uh-huh. that shoved it up all of our tuchuses for what 15, 15 years. I was gonna say twenty. Also to wear number forty-two. As well. Yeah, Mariano Rivera of the New York Yankees did come out to the song. So me and Mike, me and Mark, I think, at Stefan probably too, when you think of somebody coming out to the song Enter Sandman, it is the Sandman from ECW because my man would come out to <laughs> maybe the extended version of the song, Mark, because I feel it played at least three or four times. <laughs> yeah, because if you guys aren't familiar with the Sandman from ECW, the song would hit. I am not. The song would hit. This guy would come through the crowd, smoking cigarettes, pounding beers, dumping be- a crash. A, a, what did he, he slam the beer cans on his forehead? But he would be bleeding before the match started. He'd be pouring beer down the throats of fans who were hopefully twenty-one. Some of those people look like teenagers. That is Enter Sandman to me in terms of a walkout song. It's also one of the most classic rock songs ever from one of the greatest bands ever. Anyway, but for me, I mean, Brock Lesnar's a wrestler too. First, like he's a professional wrestler. Brock should just came out to his wrestling th- song. It's a great song for Brock. All right. Enter Sandman. Anytime he comes out to it, I'm just like, that's not Brock Lesnar's song. For me, at least. Steph, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, this is no problem. 15s don't defeat twos very often for a reason. This was the last ad. Um, it wasn't on any of your lists. So I, I'll take the ball and why I did add it, though, is a lot of the criticisms that knock it are justifiably so. Um, Inner Sandman is such an iconic song. You don't necessarily give it to Brock. It belongs to too many others, I would say, Mike. Not only one baseball player that's very about a New York, very centric thing. But hey, Uriah Faber's here. So I'm not going to get on you too hard about being Yorko centric. But um, in, in fairness, Trevor Hoffman came out to enter Sandman as well. It's yeah, it's honestly, it's, it's, it's kind of like Trevor Hoffman. Yeah, anyway. no, I think the it's song Trevor, is bigger than Brock Lesnar. It's a big, you know? it's a big closer it's, and baseball song, quite frankly. <laughs> but yeah, but, well, why I, it, I get it, it makes sense. But why I, I it deserved is we're all forgetting the Brock Lesnar shooting star in MMA. It happened. It came and went so fast. We kind of forget what it was like. And, like, this is where his skill as a fighter helps it. It was a badass metal song. It was finally him getting to use some licensed shit instead of his, while associable pro wrestling, it's generic. It is generic metal track five in the WWE library, you know? There's no significantly iconic rift or vocal line, you know, that makes it that pro wrestling theme. But it was him coming out to a song, and he was a fucking monster when he did it. I didn't remember this, but thanks to the random list that I came across on Google that refreshed my memory, when he fought Kane and came into the song, he bustled down the aisle and he shoved down a security guard that was in his way. This was the monster that was He had the beer, too. He had the Viking beer. Coming out to, like, yeah, again, a famous metal song. I don't like the genre of metal, but I know this song. I understand the power of this song. So you just put the strength of the song with that monster and the aura that Brock had. He was a goddamn monster in this Again, just a shooting star. It burned out so fast to the diverticulitis, and that's one of the great one-ifs of the sport. But um, California love that. I've never seen an arena bump like that. Oh, in like, Sacramento, that was so much fun. 
And Sacramento. That was amazing. Yeah. Um, Mark, by the way, our next two rounds are going to be way faster than this. <laughs> Marcus, what do you got? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, obviously still going with Uriah. Um, and mostly just to talk to Sam. And, and I think it is just one of those things where, yeah, it was so iconic for ECW. And, and again, I would even point viewers who are unfamiliar with ECW like, I don't know who was running stage production on that show or who was picking these songs. Obviously, copyright wasn't a big issue for whatever reason. They didn't but care. <laughs> they're fucking like they picked fucking good ass song. It was like Balls Mahoney came out to the ACDC Big Balls song. Yeah. It was just like the shit just fit. And Bobby's right. Like when Sandman came out, it was a it was a ten minute ordeal because he came out in the bleachers. He's slowly making his way because he's chugging a beer. He's slamming it. He takes a few steps. He talk, He looks at some kid. He's like, "Yes, yeah, are you 21? The kid says yes. He gets a slam of beer. He's smoking. It, And the song would play for a long time. And it was just a fun entrance that he just completely owned. Um, but I agree with Steph. Like, it's a fantastic song. It just it doesn't fit Brock probably mostly because, like you said, Steph, like, the, the star was so short-lived. If he had a longer career and he was able to really make that song his own, which I think would be an uphill battle, this would be a more closely contested. But California Love... It just it fits Uriah, not just because it talks about California and he's the California kid, like the energy in that it's song, a happy song. <laughs> it matches that dude's personality. Yeah. Like it's upbeat and fun and just like we're here to fucking party. And it just matched Uriah. It's just that's a tough one to beat. So yeah, obviously going with that. Mike, and- when you're looking this up later, the Sandman entrance from ECW. I already did. Okay. To be clear, I mean, when you're listening to the, he's also holding a kendo stick. Or as he put it, Singapore Kane, while he was coming out. It's important that you don't watch this, folks, on the WWE Network because while ECW didn't care about uh, copyright issues with music, Vince McMahon and the publicly traded World Wrestling Entertainment very much do. And they replaced it with generic rock song number five in that one, too. So, yeah. That's a shame. But let me tell you, as like a 13-year-old watching ECW t- VHS tapes uh, I'd buy on eBay, there was nothing I wanted more in this life than to be in the crowd when Sandman was coming through. I was scared a little bit because he's always bleeding and it did not look sanitary. But yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest. As a kid, I didn't think the Sandman wrestled. I just thought he had this entrance that he did. I, I mean, just, that's not I, the best I, thing he did. Yeah. He got the ring. It was a fucking joke. But maybe well, he yeah. jumped off something high, but that was basically... Let me tell you, he was, he was drunk and his finisher, one of his moves was called the white Russian leg sweep where he would just do a Russian leg sweep but have the Singapore cane in his hand. Like, that was a move he did. He wasn't good, but it was... Fuck, his character was excellent. Um, all right. Um, Donald Cerrone, Kid Rock Cowboy, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Tenacious D's Wonderboy. I'm just going to say my answer quick. Um, the song, Wonderboy, I like more, but I got Kid Rock Cowboy for Donald Cerrone because... The man's just living that gimmick, man. He's just living the gimmick. And that's his song more than anybody else's. I mean, he's in terms of like applying to a guy, this might just be the song for the guy. So that's my pick. Stefan? Yeah, he works the song too. Yeah. It's got that kind of cowboy slow drawl. And Donald, he milks that walk. Mm-hmm. He walks like the cowboy on the ranch. He tips the hat, you know? He he does it all. He it really is just so perfect. Um Oh, God, I really love me some Jack Black. Though, I do, dude. I love uh, that song so much. The song is, is so good. This is actually a much harder choice than it should be for me. I love that song. Mark's recommendation of Jablinski Games, one of my favorite things that I checked out on a lark. Um, but why wouldn't I? Jack Black is great. Um, if 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 Stephen Thompson did even a little bit to sell the song in some way, 
to incorporate a little smidge of personality the whole time. He I mean, sings he's that song. He's, he's enjoying. Sings, he sings lyric for lyric that whole song. Cowboy doesn't sing shit except maybe cowboy. All right, fine. Here you go, Mark. I'm taking Wonder Boy. What? Really? <laughs> All right, Mark. What do you got? <laughs> Uh, I'm also picking Wonder Boy. Oh, and, 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 and Bobby, I mostly agree with you that this is. I think this is a really tough seating. I think these songs fit both guys so well, and not just like the tone. The, obviously, the lyrics match up with their fucking um, nicknames. But for me, it it is Wonder Boy because one, I like the song more. You know, I'm I'm sorry. Like Kid Rock was huge when we were in middle school, and I heard it every fucking day for like two years. I had this material. album. I, I, I mean, I at got the time, kind of burnt out yeah. on it. And I do feel like it's one of those things. Where at the end of the day, I think it, it they they both check off a lot of the same boxes. But it's just like when it comes down to what song do I want to hear? I want to hear Wonderful. Like I love that song. That song does not get old, even though I've heard it thousands of times. Whereas Cowboy, it's like and Kid Rock, just in general, like those two things kind of bring it down. I think it, it matches the fighter, it matches the tone. It, but they both do. We, so we got we got some scumbags on this list, guys. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do, but Mark is really hitting here home here. The, the kid rock of it all that does work against yeah. it. And I think, and I think, Steph, the one thing is like Wonder Boy does get into it. If he did, if he did just walk out to it, and it was just like, oh, this song, if it was like a uh, Ryan Bader Empire, the Imperial March thing, where it's kind of like he's just doing it because his name matches it and he's not really into it, but like Wonder Boy likes this song. He fucking sings it. He and he's singing it with everyone. And that's another thing I like. It's an easy song to sing to. It's a very simple song to kind of sing along to. It works well for him. So that's why I'm going with it. Um, Mike, are we gonna have a draw and have to figure out a, a tie that we didn't really talk about beforehand? Kid Rock's Cowboy, big, big number one on TRL Energy. All right, oh. that song was massive back in the day. Even with that said. Uh, I like the song better, but as you guys have alluded to, I think Donald Cerrone picked this song just because, you know, my, my nickname's Cowboy, whatever. Well, come on, to Cowboy. Even though he probably wants to come out some Ted Nugent, he seems like a Ted Nugent. <laughs> Mike, this man is, I feel if anything, he's become more of a cowboy with every fight. Like he just comes up dressing like he's like a Deadwood character in every. <laughs> In Mike's defense, there was that one match where he came out like a defeated uh, Southern Civil War general. So maybe he's going too far. Okay, so you got Wonder Boy, Mike? I'm going with Wonder Boy, even though, uh, you know, I'm okay yeah, with it does, I'm honestly, I think, I think, even though this kind of defeats the, the motif of Wonder Boy wanted to come out to a song that like has his name in it, I think a better Tenacious D song for him to come out to is the best song ever uh, written. That song ever wrote written? That song. That's a, that's a great song, too. That's a good song, too. All right, advancing. Tenacious in upset. That might be our first upset. Uh, tenacious, it is. Tenacious D's. Wonder Boy. 10-7 upset. All right, Jose Aldo. Jay-Z and Rihanna's Run This Town. Chris Weidman. Tom Petty's Won't Back Down. Marcus, why don't you go with this one? Yeah, this is not a strong contender either way for me, personally. Um, I, I think a lot of... You guys, especially Bobby, Jose Aldo, run this town is probably a lot higher on there. They have a lot of similarities. I think the tempo is kind of low on both of them. They're not like high energy songs. I do like Jose Aldo's a little bit more. I do think Won't Back Down fits Chris Weidman very well. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's a lot of similarities between these two songs. Um, I'm going to give Jose Aldo the edge, but neither one of these is really blowing me out of the water. Um, 
I don't know what else I would pick for Jose Aldo, you know? Um, and I think during his title run, it definitely was fitting when he was champion. Um, but it never, it was never one that resonated with me super strongly, but I am going to pick it over Chris Reitman's, uh, don't back, won't back down. Um, Stefan. Um, I like, I give Aldo props for this one because this is a case where I don't think the song was for him. Um, I don't, I don't believe that he listens to Jay-Z or Rihanna, but this song was for me. I love this song. This is one of my favorite Jay-Z songs. This is a song I still will. If I hear this on the radio when I'm like flipping through stations, I'm going to stop and listen to it. I genuinely like this song. I genuinely love this song. It's always was one of my favorites then. Holds up to me now. Uh, I really like it. Weidman's is entirely made on the night he defeated Anderson Silva. Yep. Um, it's one of those things. I like Tom Petty. I really love the song. Um, like, I don't really like Chris Weidman, you know, so it's one of those I'm kind of begrudging that he comes out to it because I do like the song, but it's just that night that he won coming out to this song on his grandest stage and the guy who terrified everyone, he walked him down and knocked him out. Like, it's just the song really, you know, when the documentary of that moment ever plays, this is the most fitting song possible for it. So it's really great in that regard, and that's why I think it's worthy of the so list. I'll, um, I'll, sorry, go ahead. I didn't know you, were, I, you had more. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's all. You know where I was going. Um, I'm going to take Weidman because I love Run This Town, straight up. It is one of my favorite songs um, of Jay-Z's period. And those people who know, back in the day, my, uh, my handle was Jay-Z fan forever. Um, forever. It's still around. I'm still a fan. But, you know, just saying. No, um, I just, I don't think of Jose Aldo in any way with this song. When I, like, think about it deeply more, I'm just like, he did run this town. He was the man for years. And then a little Irishman knocked him out in 14 seconds. Um, let me tell you this. If Weidman only, if, if Weidman ended up having, like, the run we all thought he was going to have at middleweight, let's be honest. We thought, we thought that was going to take, be a while. Like, Weidman and Anderson, he took Anderson's belt. He beat him again. He fought. Uh, he smoked Vitor, and then he um, he fought Machida. Remember in that fight we were at, and they went five high five hard rounds standing. And he was telling Machida to bring it, and I'm just like, man, this is like, this is that dude. And then it all kind of fell apart. I'm still going with him, but it is like the first time he came out to that song. By the way, was the Anderson Silva fight? That was the first time, and they said he said he chose it because he wanted to, you know, say, hey, I'm here. I'm not going to back down. It's a 14 seed. I know what I'm doing here. But I got Weidman um, taking this one. Mike? I'm going to go with Weidman as well. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm not a huge fan of Tom Petty, just in, in general. And not a huge fan of Chris Weidman either. But based off my criteria of what song resonates with a particular fighter, when you think of the song, you think of the fighter... Ah, this song, this song screams Chris Weidman for me. Um, probably to only MMA fans, but that's the case for me. Um, as much as I love uh, Run This Town, and when it comes to Jose Aldo, I can remember any time he came came out to the song, he would do that like little run in place yeah. and then go uh -huh. into the octagon. So there, there is some resonance for me, but just not as much as with Chris Weidman. Um, yeah, we didn't even plan for this moment, guys. Flip uh, a coin. Let's flip a coin. Who's, who's got, got one? Who's got a coin? I have a coin. All right. Um, I'll call. I will turn on my video so you guys don't see, don't think I am lying. Okay, I'll call it. I'm going to let it fall on the floor. All right. Post, 
Okay, screw it. You know what? Screw the coin flip. Yeah, heads is heads is Aldo, tails is Weidman. Let's go. Heads is Weidman, tails is Aldo. The opposite. Oh, and it flew under my. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we really run a tight ship here. Don't worry. <laughs> It you is, ever need someone to explain how a coin toss works and then not do it properly? Yeah, Mike. Well, I mean, I, I flipped and it fell. Well, I also it said it was. I said it was uh, one way, and then yeah. So I said it was one way. Then Mike said it was the other way. So what? Which was tails for in Mike? All right, listeners. My goal really was to expedite the time yeah. process. Mike, flip it again because I said I said heads. Well, I need to, I need to flip it again. Yeah, because I said heads was Aldo. You said tails was Aldo. So flip it. <laughs> All right. So heads is Aldo. Heads heads is right. Aldo. Heads. Heads, it's Aldo. The Tails only other option is Weidman. Yes. Yeah, book it. Okay. Yes. Okay. Again, this was meant to be a quick process. <laughs> Listeners, I apologize. Uh, now, now it's spinning. It's spinning. So I got to wait for it to actually fall. This is amazing. What kind of uneven apartment do you live in, Mike? <laughs> okay. I'm going to give Mike a little tip here. It's heads. Yes. Okay. Okay. Aldo advances. Jesus Aldo. Christ. Okay. I'm going to give you some coin flipping etiquette mike okay because i think you're getting the nfl stuff is ruining the only reason those fuckers in the nfl don't grab the coin when they do the coin tosses because they're on lawn it's gonna land evenly it's not gonna spin and shit any other time you're flipping a coin that's why you catch it when you catch it you flip it over onto your palm and then you look at it to reveal that is the proper etiquette Yes. I yes. didn't want to affect coin flip in any way. This is already, well, that, yeah, that's why, that's why you important. grab it and then you flip it. So you're not looking at it. You're not grabbing it, looking at it and saying, oh, I don't like the result. Let me flip it. You grab it, you flip it. And it also has to be at least the size of a quarter, if not bigger. Don't do any dime nickels. I'm not losing any sleep on your plus 10 sleight of hand ability. Okay. I trust you. I trust the All integrity right. of the. Jose Aldo advances. Final C, final Jesus Christ. This first round took forever. Chan Sung Jung coming out to the Korean the Cranberries Zombie. Taking on Vanderlei Silva coming out to DJ Darude's Sandstorm. Um I, I'll make it simple if you want us to be this long. It's zombie. I don't like the memification of Sandstorm. It has ruined the song for me. If you guys gotta wanna go, go for it, please. I'm gonna It has not ruined the song for me. It is Sandstorm all the way. Marcus. Uh yeah, I I'm gonna go with zombie. Um for me and Standstorm, like it was a song that I knew before Vanderlei came out, and I liked it because it was just a fun techno song, you know, in the '90s, that, that type of music I was a very into. Um, I think he did for a while, kind of own that song, and kind of, it did kind of become his. Um, but I think it's just you can't really top. Might get your coin, zombies. Oh boy. <laughs> um, I'm gonna take uh, Vanderlei Silva's DJ Darude Sandstorm here. Um, I like the song Zombie quite a bit. It's also a weird song, beyond his name being Zombie, to come out to because it's a song about a Northern Ireland bombing where a 12-year-old and a 3-year-old died, and it's really an anti-war song. But I know his name is Zombie, and like saying Zombie, Zombie, it all fits him very well, of course. I don't even know what we're going to say about Sandstorm. Like, there's no lyrics to that. It's just da 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 No, I know. Not at all. But like, you know what? That's, you know, I'm just, that's, I mean, it was close. You know, I love, again, I like the song Zombie a million times more. Cranberries are fucking excellent. I got uh, Sandstorm, though. Mike. All right. I get to flip again. This is great. This All is right. Great. So, so, let's establish this again. 
The favorite is heads. The favorite is heads. Nothing is changing, Mike, in a coin toss. (laughs) Nothing changes. That's the beauty of a coin toss. The rules are always the same. Now, Steph's rant aside, we have not established which one is heads. The one that's the favorite is the six seed. Zombie. (laughs) Okay. Zombies heads. Heads and zombies. Okay. This whole bottom of the bracket is a disaster, guys. There we go. (laughs) And... The favorite advances. There we go. There we go. All right. How easy that was. All right. Let's teach Mike some coin flipping etiquette. Bing, bang, boom. We got a show. You know what? They're fresh on our mind. We're going to do this matchup first. Jose Aldo, Jay Z, and Rihanna run this down. The Korean zombie, the cranberry zombie. Um, Yeah, I got zombie. Stefan. I I do as well, just to keep it short. Yeah. Yeah. After the scare of the last round. I am shocked yeah. that that damn meme joke song was about to make it I didn't know. What is uh, the meme? Zombie what zombie. Is, I don't know what the meme yeah, is. What's this meme? Well, what's the what meme? meme are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I am officially the youngest. I actually am the youngest person. You are person the youngest person here. <laughs> you talked about I listen to classic rock. You want me to tell you more about how much, you know, I like fucking Metallica's other songs? Jesus. All right, advancing to the final four. Who's, uh, Korean zombie. Uh, do you take zombie, Mike? Does it matter? <laughs> oh, it did all three of you pick yeah, zombie? Yeah, we did. Oh, well, all right. Yeah, I'll pick zombie. Well, I don't I mean, want to be by myself. Well, you can. Okay. Um, advancing. Cranberries, zombie. Next up, um, Uriah Faber, California Love, taking on Wonder Boy, uh, Tenacious D song. Um, I think it's going to be really hard. And Uriah Faber is a two-seed for a reason here, this song, man. It's one of the more iconic MMA walkout songs. So I'm going to California Love. Mike, what about you? Yeah, I'm going California Love. That's not even a question. Mark. I agree. I, I think I like the, the Tenacious D Wonder Boy song more, but I, I think California Love just fits that fighter and his energy a little bit better than Wonder Boy. So I think for me personally, very close, but I, I do pick California Love. Stefan, what do you got, brother? Wonder Boy, it got its win. You know, I'm proud. I'm proud of the little engine being the only upset that could. Uh, in that first round, so um, yeah, man, it's just the energy of that whole arena when the song goes. Anderson um, and DMX is ain't no sunshine. Conor McGregor, Sinead O'Connor, Foggy Doo, and Biggie Smalls, Notorious, and Hypnotize. Um, Steph, go ahead and lead us off real quickly. Well, not real quickly. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> um, again, this is kind of the way it was appropriate that Wonder Boy and Cowboy squared off. Like I said, these are the two aura songs, right? These are the, what is the picture and the persona that I want to put out there. Um, Connors is more fun. Mm-hmm. Anderson's is more like, holy shit. Am I witness to this kind of awe? Uh, I think it's more Con- iconic. Connor has that too. So it, it's actually, it's more neck and neck that I'm saying, but, um, I think the tension I felt in Anderson's having gotten to experience both of them at kind of like height of their powers points. Um, Connor's was definitely more fun, but I think the shivers of the Anderson one, I just, it, it lingers just a hair more for me. I think also we have a bigger sample size because Anderson had a, I mean, even before he started fighting and he's old and he's 47 years old, there was a lot of title defenses. So we got it a lot and it kept building. Like, it just kept building over and over again. Um, yeah, I got Anderson, too. Mark? Um, I got Connor. The, the, personally, the, these two don't, neither of them do much for me. I, I you know, told my complaints about both of them. 
Um, and I do lean against Connors just because I do think it's fun. It matches his name. Nothing about spiders and ain't no sunshine or anything like that, you know. Maybe if it had a little <laughs> spider creep walk dance to it or something, it associated with the with the fight a little bit more. But yeah, I, even though I, I harped on Connors and his three song melody, personally, just cut the first Sinead O'Connor. You don't need that shit. Just do the notorious, and then go into the song you actually want. You're good to go, Mike. As much as it pains me to go against my uh, deceased favorite rapper. Um, also a denizen of my uh, my stomping grounds, New York City. I'm going to go with Anderson Silva uh, on this one. And weirdly, I'm going to use Mark's argument from the first round. Uh, three songs is a bit too much for me to advance you to the, to, to the final four. Anderson, one song, boom. DMX uh, cover of some song from like the 70s. Give it to me every time That's in right. this matchup. Who knows next round? Joan Jett, Bad Reputation for Ronda Rousey. Um, Michael Bisping, Song 2 from Blur. You had a good run, Mike. I'm talking about Mr. Bisping. You had a good run. You know what? I had a lot of fun watching you walk out to this song many times. But Ronda was a fucking supernova. And this song was there the whole time. So, yeah. Ronda. Agreed. Uh, 100% agreed. I just wanted to tie a bow on Bisping, at least on the, you know, obviously, Aaron was has thoughts. Um... Like Uriah, it's a song that really gets the energy going. And Michael Bisping, if nothing, he was always a professional and an entertainer. He was willing to be the bad guy if you cared. He just wanted you to care. You know, so get having a song that everyone recognizes. And even if you hated him, even if you came to see Michael Bisping get knocked out, you sung the woohoos. You know, it was really fun. That's why every time they went to Europe, for how many years did Michael Bisping main event all of them, right? They built the there's, European There's no, there's no Conor McGregor without Michael Bisping, honestly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, Bisping's truly one of the underrated like pillars of this whole MMA thing, and this song was a really good use for him. That's right. I've been waving this Michael Bisping flag alone for 400 episodes. Little by little, I'm dragging people now that he's retired. <laughs> little by little. Hey, Bobby, he was my favorite tough season, so. You know what? Ben Folk said it well, that if you need somebody to start a blood feud over nothing to sell a pay-per-view, Michael Bisping is your guy. And then when it's over, and he won, and, you know, he lost, he won, he called the guy buddy about seven times. Good on you. And then he'd move on to the next one. That's it. <laughs> um, Marcus. <laughs> um, keep it short. Going with Ronda, obviously. Mike. Going with Honda. Honda. Advancing to the final four, Ronda Rousey uh, and Joan Jett's bad reputation. All right, now it gets interesting. Um, mm. Ronda Rousey, Joan Jett, bad reputation. Anderson Silva, DMX, ain't no sunshine. I knew we were getting there the second I looked at this. Um, I don't want to go first, so I won't. Mark, go. <laughs> These are easy. All the rest are very cut and dry for me uh ronda beats i mean i just talked about how i'm not super strong on ain't no sunshine i think it's it's decent i think it was a good match for anderson silva it served him well but uh joan jet uh bad reputation ronda do Rousey. you think it's also somehow we saw anderson lose like eight fights continually afterwards ronda I saw him one of the fights too bobby i saw him won more no, fights no. than he lost live live when i'm there and i'm I'm gaining the ore. Nothing matched Ronda. Not even close to me. Not even close. It was exciting. It's fun. But it was mostly excited. The, the song didn't get me amped. It was the building the aura and then knowing that this guy is going to do something special. It was really focused on 
that fighter with Ronda is just like it's everything. She's coming out. She's a fucking. She's badass. in a hurry. <laughs> Everyone's on point on this. Everything's driving together. This is the perfect song entrance song, and I will fight that all the way to the top. And that's just how it's gonna be. <laughs> so Mark, my uh, Mike, what do you got? Funny enough, none of you remember what Ronda's entrance songs was in uh in Strike Force, right? Wasn't it the same song? No. I thought it and was. Here's why I bring that up. That was a rhetorical question. It was not. Here's why I bring this up. First fight in the Ronda Center. This is actually the Honda Center. As soon as that song starts playing in, in her main, I think she was the main event. I can't remember at this point against Liz Carmouche. It comes on and Joe Rogan and I, man, I forget who the play-by-play announcer was at, oh, at this Goldie. point for, for the UFC. Goldberg. Goldie. Yeah. When it comes on, they start chuckling. And I think they make like a comment like, this is so appropriate <laughs> for, for, for Ronda Rousey. And this many years later, that is still apt. Stefan? Uh, yeah, I'll, say, I'll save my Ronda praise for future rounds. This, is, this one's easy. Um, yeah, okay. I've never enjoyed one a walkout more than being there live for Anderson Silva, but yeah, Ronda. Honestly. But yeah, I just, you know, we were blessed to see a lot of really cool shit with Anderson. But I'll say this, when we saw Ronda live, when she murked Alexis Davis in 27 seconds, was it? Something like that? And I just, everybody was cheering and, I, and the three of us didn't say a word and I just turned to Mark and Steph and I think Mark was just like, or Mark was, I think it was Steph actually just went, Wow. And then that was it. <laughs> like it was all, it was all, it all happened in about three minutes. She came out, the song was Mad Ash. She dumped her on her head. It was over. Um, advancing, bad reputation. What what came out of this? Zombie, zombie versus a zombie from the Cranberries versus Uriah Faber, California Love. I got Uriah Faber, California Love. It's oh, it's part of the Uriah Faber package, man. Very much so. It fits him to a T. That's me. What I got, Mark? Uh, I agree. Um, you know, I, I think this is a little closer, but ultimately, yeah, that song fits him. I think the uh, Cranberry Zombie song fits Zombie, but I think you brought up a good point. Like lyrically, what the song is talking about has very little to do with. Did you ever see? Um, I don't think none of them really do. But what was her name? I think. I think. Sorry. The tone. The tone matches Korean Zombie, where it's very somber, but it's brooding and it's continuing to go forward much like the green zombie but you just can't beat california love just like the, the top seated one that we're going to talk about you know ronda like, it just matched that person's persona what they were doing in the octagon just everything about them just gelled perfectly i think you, the cranberry song is super close for korean zombie that, that's what makes it tightly contested but california love just like it's just a perfect song for favorite so yeah and do you remember that. you Steph, do you remember the name of the irish fighter who was on um on connor's team the female fighter um Aisling, Aisling, Aisling Daily. Do you guys remember her name? Aisling Daily. Aisling. Yeah, yeah. She came out to the Cranberries zombie song once too, and she was in tears. And it was in Ireland, I remember. And I remember thinking like, wow. And then she only got like one UFC fight. So that was whatever. But yeah, I mean, uh, lyrics aren't the most important thing. I mean, for the love of God, Dr. Dre's talking about sassoons and all sorts of shit in California love. But yeah, that's that's what I got. Mike? <laughs> So right before the podcast came on, we were just kind of chatting about what we think, you know, our kind of grading criteria should be. 
And one of the things that I mentioned at the end was uh, something from, from wrestling that I think should be important is the pop you get when your song comes on, you know, like the first, the first few beats of it. And, you know, the place goes wild, at least, you know, pre COVID. And I think it's fitting that these two songs have made it into the finals, bad reputation and California love, because whenever these songs turn on, even though you know that these people are about to come out, the place would go absolutely apeshit. Um, if that doesn't kind of key you into who I'm picking in the, Cal- in the California Love Zombie matchup, uh, you know, I'll spell it out. Right, favor. Well, it's with that statement, it's kind of awkward that I get to go last um, because easily, without any hesitation, it's zombie to me. Whoa. Um, You're the only so- one that picks zombie, right? So, yeah, um, that's what okay. I said. It's, you're already calling the finals, and I'm like, oh, I haven't spoken yet, and I'm going to well, be the deciding. Well, Stefan, give it, give it its it praise. Give it its praise. I mean, we did it some more earlier, but um, it's going out now, so give it everything you want to give it. Yeah, California Love, it's easy, but also, if you want if to not even include it or to say that's the reason it can go over is the instantaneous of it, that immediate riff of Zombie, that immediate, that hard, heavy electric bass, that's fucking iconic in rock music. Everybody knows what's about to play when that riff begins. Like it is, I mean, in a different genre, it is just as an immediate recognition as California love. Like either way, I instantly know what I'm about to get into. Um, Zombie, you guys are down on it for a number of reasons. Lyrics, I don't care. Most of these songs are lyrically have nothing to do with anything that's about to proceed, you know? So what it comes down to, you know, Fighters come out to songs not from their countries, this one being them. So what it comes down to is feel. The feel of Zombie's entrance, the brooding, the slow walk, the nickname. This man doesn't speak a lick of English and is one of the most popular fighters in the history of the sport. Like, everyone likes this dude. He doesn't got to speak your language. He doesn't need words. That's why the lyrics don't matter. It's the feel with this guy. The charisma he exudes... Like, it's, he's fun fighting. I know I'm a super fan, but I'm not isolated. This is a majority, majority opinion about how people feel about Zombie. And this entrance is a big part of it. That is a beloved song. California Love is a beloved rap song. It has less reach than Cranberries and Zombie does. That's, I mean, maybe it, it matters more for me in this instance. To me, that's my favorite song of the songs. This is the song that I will most want to listen to. This is the song that will be there when I go to karaoke. Like... And for, you know, I said against Brock Lesnar, the song is bigger than him. The song is bigger than Zombie, but Zombie is big enough for it to not matter because he wears it so well. And so for me, it's just the feel. Um, Uriah Faber, I don't really like him. I kind of find him corny. And it was fun for a period, but the continued association is just kind of weaker and weaker every day for me because I don't really like Uriah. And so, like I said, it's all subjective. We all have our personal reasons, but that's my personal reason that Zombie was actually pretty easy for me on this one. All righty. Finals, Ronda Rousey, Bad Reputation, Joan Jett, Uriah Faber, California Love. Uh, Marcus, I think I know where you're going, but why don't you go ahead and say it? Yeah, I, I spelled it out in my my first or last one with uh, Ronda. I, I, I think that that is the perfect entrance song. It exudes all it check it checks all the boxes I have for entrance song. You know, it matches the fighter, it has the energy, it gets everyone excited. Instantly, people are just 
into it. You know what's coming. Um, and, you know, when we talk about the greats, you know, we often don't talk about the entrances because they honestly don't matter all that much. But her entrance is is different, but somewhat similar to Mike Tyson. You know, Tyson had an entrance, which I don't even know. I don't think he had entrance music, to be honest. I think he just had a fucking towel on his head. And when uh, did he come out uh, to Pac? Wasn't that a thing? I have no idea. He didn't need it. Okay. He didn't need it. He exuded something that Ronda exudes. It's just this badassness that you're you're going to be treated to some some special ass shit. And you know the wheels fell off the Ronda train. You know, and there, there's no you can't disregard that. But it was just that song, that entrance. Just it it was perfect for me. You know, it really just it matched. It just checked all those boxes. I think Faber in California Love does a lot of the same things, but I do feel maybe because of his longevity and so many times we got to see it, it was fun every time, but maybe after, you know, the 12th time you've seen it, it does lose a little bit of its luster. You know, maybe if Ronda was, you know, still in the UFC, still rocking that same song, that same entrance, maybe it would be a little tired, but because her stint wasn't as long, it still feels fresh and new. And like you said, even when she moved to pro wrestling, you know, that song was strong enough that they're like, yeah, we can't, we're not going to be able to to get something to capitalize on this. It's worth the money. It's worth the cash. And I think when you have a big organization like WWE that has a whole department that there are people jobs that are like, look at this guy, see what he does in the ring and make a song for this person and his personality. And when they were like, fuck that guy and his payroll, I'm going to pay. They fired Joe the Jet guy. That song. <laughs> they really fire him. Yeah, they- he made all the good songs. <laughs> you're gone we got under so yeah that 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 is my favorite song and i knew that going in you know when we did this lineup i was like well that's that's the one i'm going to fight for and whether it makes it or not you know it's not going to change my opinion but that's just that's where i stood so that's where i'm at i got uh ronda rousey also i think they're up here both for the same reasons quite frankly both of these songs ronda's is just better at those reasons i guess for lack of a better term um yeah i don't really I enjoy Uriah Faber more than Stefan does for sure. I don't really like Ronda Rousey. She, I don't think she went out great. I have a lot of reasons. She's a sore loser. Yeah, but so a lot of people are. I might be too. But just in general, she. I don't know. But yeah, this is her. This. I mean, is bad. What? Reputation. That's what I'm saying. Bad reputation. It fits that too. That's what I'm saying. Doesn't give a fuck. I love. You kind of need to love that guy. And if you don't, and there's a lot of reasons why you might. Well, I was about. It was the California. It was love of California. Really, I don't know. I mean, that was really. It was a lot. He had a song for like forty fights, and he fought a lot of those in California, so it all kind of fit. Yeah, I got Ronda too. It fit. You couldn't. Uh, you can't think of a better matchup, honestly. Like a song to a person. Steph, I'll let you go last since uh, I threw my uh, laurels at at bad reputation during the final four. So I will keep it short and say that yeah, both of these songs are, are great. I love them both for both of these individuals, but I'm going to go with uh, Bad Reputation and and Ronda Rousey. I think you're going to go that route as well. Um, Yeah, let's just be honest. We started with Ronda Rousey's entrance, and we built a tournament around it. That's what this whole exercise has been, because it is perfect. Mark, Mark nailed it. We've talked about, oh, this guy should use this pro wrestler's music, or why didn't Brock use his music? No, they're like, Rhonda, we're going to pay for your music because your music is it. That is it. And, you know, we, we talked about other criterias where changes in opinion, changes in quality of fighter affected the feel of that song. This song is invincible. 
it does not matter if she's a child in the media. It doesn't matter if she goes out as a sore loser. It doesn't matter if, you know what, her striking is exposed and, you know, the sport has passed her by. The song fits. It never stops fitting. Like, that sour face personality of her, it's who she is, you know? Um, and I, I love her for it. Like, yeah, she's not perfect, but I get all of hey, her man. flaws. She can work on a lot of things. But she's just special. I called Brock a shooting star. Ronda was a supernova. Yep. She was a goddamn supernova. Like that fight you talked about, we were there, Bobby. The other thing I remember saying is like this she's the only first and only ever fighter who felt like a superhero. Like he felt like an actual superhero that was like beyond like I loved, you know, it, it makes me wish that like she didn't sour on so much because a lot of girls really looked up to her. We got four, I know. We got four divisions yeah. in this this company because of her. Well, three real ones, yeah. but four overall, in fairness. We got four divisions. We got a lot of female fighters. Look, UFC fighters are extremely underpaid, but a lot more of them can make a living because of her. So, just... I mean, yeah, but like I said, we would have named this tournament after her to begin with if we were going to make it a thing, but... um. It's just perfect. I, I shat enough on California love when uh, in writing for Zombie, um, so I already spoke kind of my cons against it, but easy number one seed. Absolutely easy number one seed. To be clear, I love the song California Love, but yeah, bad reputation wins this thing. By the way, our final four ended up being a one versus four and a two versus a six. So Aldo not, I mean, Aldo not going and making a one versus four, two versus three. Really, you know, <laughs> that's a. Uh... Oh, I'll say I seeded it pretty well. Then I think uh, I had a good representation of where things should have been. I should have given more love to Sexy Yama and just knowing how personally I felt. But I thought it might be a little biasy if I put it too high. I think DJ Darude could have taken out Jose Aldo. I'm just saying. I, I think if you flip those two. By the way, Mike, I feel you should listen to more Tom Petty. You say you don't like Tom Petty. Tom Petty got like nine good songs, honestly. Like seriously, like That's it? yeah, nine good songs is a lot. He's some, of he's some like music. He's like some music legend. He's got like nine good songs. Like That's he's, it? I'm saying he's got like nine good songs, and like those are all like future has like nine good songs. No, Tom, is future a music okay? Let, let, let me put like it like Tom this: Petty Tom Petty's got nine songs that were top ten singles. Okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure Future does too. No, Future is named after a character from Eight Mile. He's not that impressive. All right, that's it. All right. <laughs> Um, all right, let's do um, – okay, we're going to do stuff we like. But first, I just want to say something um, about uh, Brody Lee, the professional wrestler Brody Lee, uh, otherwise known as um, – formerly known as Luke Harper in World Wrestling Entertainment um, and John uh, Hubber is his real name. He passed away um, Saturday night, I think. Um, he had some lung issue. wasn't COVID. He was at the Mayo Clinic. Um, they couldn't help him. And, uh, 30, was he 41, Mike? I thought he was 39. You said 41 years old? 41, yeah. Got a man who, for the longest time, because I wasn't really familiar with his pre-WWE work, I just kept hearing about how Luke Harper's not getting used. And how good he really is. And then, then the last, I don't know how much, how long his AEW run was, honestly. Six months? Seven months? He showed up? He showed up at a show that was meant to be in Rochester, his hometown, but it was the second show after the pandemic started. So he had to do it in an empty arena in uh, in Jacksonville. And 
he made every moment of it count, man. He got the Dark Order over. Not alone, but he got the Dark Order characters over. And I remember Stefan and I were in the building when the Dark Order debuted at the first AEW show. And it was the only part of the show. I remember afterwards we were talking about the show and how good of a time he had. And Stefan said, you know, the only part of the show that didn't hit was I don't know who the fuck they are. What was that? And the Dark Order sucked for a long time. And we saw, man, Luke Harper being the, you know, him being called Brody Lee. Uh, some of it was his, the name came from Mallrats. Partly the character Brody, but it also came from the wrestler Bruiser Brody. Brody, who was a legendary big man wrestler, played a monster. And uh, Brody Lee did that so well. He really was a legitimate top guy immediately. And for a guy who barely was on TV in WWE for the last two years. And you know what? Like, it didn't work out for him over there. They didn't see it in him. And he missed a lot of years just sitting on a bench. And he got to, you know... He got to go out there and really show people what he could do at the end here in front of a lot of people. Him and John Moxley had an excellent championship match. Him and Cody Rhodes had – first he squashed Cody Rhodes, but then they had that um, the bull rope match. Excellent match. Man knew how to work big, extremely agile. You know, he leaves behind a really young family, and it's really tragic. And you've really seen the last couple days the concept of the boys, as they refer to in wrestling – you know, you hear about the boys in wrestling, and sometimes people say it's not a real thing because, you know, it's a very competitive business. But they've really, you've really seen how much this guy meant to people. And um, you can look up uh, Big E, a favorite of this podcast. Big E has really been going through it on Twitter, just talking about, you know, John, as he puts it, the times they had together. And, uh, you know, it's, you could, you know, everybody's putting out statements. Everybody's, you know, Selling memorial shirts. CM Punk said, you know, any shirt I sell, give the money to his family. Same with Mick Foley. You really saw how good of a person he was. You saw these quote. I saw this clip of him talking about his, uh, how he has all this memorabilia from his wrestling career, not for himself, but he wants his son to see it. His sons now. He says, I have the match card from when I wrestled The Undertaker. You know, I got uh, the match card from when, you know, I was in, I was at, I was in a six man at SummerSlam. I was, you know, when I was in the main event of this or that, I have all that stuff. I have every action figure. And he says, it's not for me. I want my kids to see what I achieved, you know, because if one day I'm not here, I want them to see it. So it's really sad. A lot of these wrestlers die young. And a lot of times it's because of, you know, for lack of, I mean, honestly, a lot of times it's drugs, you know, situations like Eddie Guerrero. Or, you know, a lot of times it's just accidents, like Owen Hart. This one, we don't know what it was exactly. It seems there was some sort of medical issue. They're saying it was his lungs. And uh, last match he had is going to be that one he did with Cody in the bull rope match, which if you got a DVR, you can probably find it on, on demand. It was on, you can look it up. It was back in October. You can probably pull it up from a Dynamite. It was really good. It was really, really good. And at the time, people wondered why he dropped the belt so quickly. And now we kind of know. Because we haven't seen him. We haven't seen him since. So just, you know, condolences to his family. It's, I uh, In 2020, I became a, I've become really a reborn wrestling fan. To the most I've been since I was probably 13, 14, 15 years old. And a lot of it is AEW, but a lot of it is really two storylines. One is the Hangman page gimmick. And the other one is the Dark Order. They're my two favorite things. And it's, you got like eight members of the Dark Order who are in a really over gimmick because of Brody Lee. So 
Condolences to his family, man. It was just sad. Just another one. And then, you know, the legend Danny Hodge, one of the greatest American wrestlers ever, also passed away this week. So, lot, you know, his was, he was 88 years old. But he was the man who famously could crush an apple with his with one hand, just with grip strength. So, it's been a year, guys. Um, let's try to transition to uh, stuff we like. It's going to be tough. I'll actually start off... Um, well, last one, let's talk about Wonder Woman. Because did we all watch Wonder Woman? Stefan, did you? Because yeah, I, I was very presumptuous for you to say it's uh, going to be stuff we like. No, okay, I'm not, yeah, I was going to say I, I was going to have a nice transition into Wonder Woman where we I could actually start with something I like before I figured we inevitably had that conversation. Well, okay, I just want to say this about Wonder Woman. I thought it was okay. I thought it was it was fun. It was so long, like it was really long, and I felt like. The first hour, not a lot of stuff was going on. It was a lot of, hey, it's the 80s. But I overall had a, you know, it was fine. That was really it. I'm not sure how much I'd rewatch it, but it's, I got it. I mean, that's really it. I thought it was fine. Stefan, what'd you think? Did it? I'm sorry. Before he gets it, Steph, just one quick thing on the movie. Did you guys realize while you're watching the movie when. She kind of wishes Steve Trevor back and, uh, you know, they engage in sex. Were you guys thinking at that point, considering that's like it wasn't actually Steve Trevor. It was just some random dude that Wonder Woman just had sex with a random dude. I like that Mike said engaged in sex. That phrase really oh, did. Mark, I saw Mark's face, too. And I'm like, that's where we're going with this conversation immediately. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I didn't even think about that. I was just like. I, I just kind of happened, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> a lot of this movie just kept happening, and I just be like, okay. Pedro Pascal fucking went for it, though. You could tell he was but, sick of being real. What, he though? was being real calm as the Mandalorian. He's like, I'm gonna fucking be mag- just all over the place. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna yeah, come off like an yeah. '80s cokehead. No problem. <laughs> that was very risky of uh, Wonder Woman to engage this sex with this random man that she doesn't know. But in keeping with the movie, it was the '80s. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Stefan, what was your opinion of this movie? Um, I was listening to a short, like, 20-minute pod exit survey that was talking about it. Um, and, like, a reporter and media personality, uh, Van Lathan, formerly of TMZ, but currently on The Ringer. I, I'm blanking on e- exactly what word he used. Um, but I remember when I heard it, I thought he nailed it. I, I Forgive me, I'm not going to misquote him, but it was something like, this movie is like either irresponsibly, unacceptably, incomprehensibly. You kind of get the spirit of where I'm going here. Mediocre. As if to say, it was very okay. But it's kind of disappointing that it was just okay, considering the budget they had. Considering the, the, the blank check they got to cash in from that first one. Considering the kind of reputation of Patty Jenkins as like one of the bright directing minds out there. Like... It just kind of seemed like this movie just didn't go anywhere. And, you know, Mike, it took you to having sex to really, I guess, for the the doorbell to ring for that scene. But right from the start, there's just a lot of stuff in the movie throughout that whole arc being one of it. That's just like, okay, explain yourself. Okay, you're not going to. And it's just like, there's so many points in the movie. It's like, yeah, so no one cared that they just took over this other guy's life, huh? Miss Wonder Woman saved the planet. It's like, yeah, this... I, at first I was like, is the guy dead? And he re No, this guy's a living engineer. I'm like, 
no one's wondering what happened to that guy anymore, huh? We just erase this guy from existence. There's a lot of little things like that. Like, I think that's a good point, Steph, because in the very beginning, uh, when they're doing the flashback where she's doing the like Amazon games, it's like they don't explain the rules. So it's like she doesn't hit one of the markers. I'm like, well, she disqualified. Yeah, what happened there? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, it is just like, and I think that kind of like bleeds through the rest of the movie where it's like, I don't really know what's going on and like what's te- and i think that's another good thing mike where it's like it's very as long as you don't think too hard it's like it's fine but when you do start like and this is what you know comic book fans do you start peeling back like the like oh this doesn't seem realistic and it's like yeah she's had sex with like a random dude you don't know you could have had aids or whatever like, who knows also, you know also not to interrupt you mark mm-hmm. but what we established in the movie is that when steve tries to get her attention it establishes, oh, no, no, no. This dude doesn't have Steve Trevor's face. It's just the dude, but she realizes it's Steve Trevor. So she's straight up, she didn't have sex even with Steve Trevor, like, you know, the coding. She straight up just had sex with some random dude. If nothing else, like, I'll It's a confusing scene where it's some other guy, and then they do, like, a pan around, and now it's Chris Pine, and you're like, wait, what? And then later they're like, oh, well, I just, because you just exude that person's essence so much. Um, and I think that's kind of the thing is like when you start really like what you can just make stuff go invisible and now the plane is just invisible. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There, that seems, there's a big stretch where she's like, my dad made the island invisible. And then she rubs her hands. And I'm like, wait, so what, why can you do this? Why? Because yeah. he said that flying is just understanding the wind that she knows how to fly now. How did that, how did we get from one point to the other? I, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things like when you just start peeling how, back a little bit. How did like, she oh, go from, she made an egg invisible for five minutes once. Oh, now I can make a fucking plane invisible. Yeah, for I, like, I, like Chris, I, like Chris, I don't know his name, Steve, whatever. I like his explanation of like, well, flying is just knowing the wind. It's like, dude, it's an airplane. Like, the main reason why you are flying is because you are in an airplane. It has nothing to do with wind trajectory. That's helping the airplane, but it's mostly the airplane <laughs> that's doing the heavy lifting here, bro. And I think, you know, if you dig into that stuff, you can nitpick this movie all day. I think when you just take it at face value, just as like a fun action flick, it, it does fine. It, it's fine. If, this, it if we were measuring movie. a superhero movie based on like 1999, 2002, 2001 standards, we might, even, be we might even say it's good. We're like, okay. But then now you watch those movies, you're like, man. Was the best part of that movie when Wolverine, when uh, Iceman blew into Wolverine's Diet Coke? Like, that's where we're at with this one. Like, it's shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, that is the, rede- that is the redeeming thought, moment of that movie for me still. <laughs> I thought the actors did good. I was, I was a little concerned about Kristen Wiig, right? Oh, she name? was good. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I, th- I was a little worried going into, like, is she going to be able to have the physicality? Because, like, Gail Godot, right? I'm, I, butcher names that's like, close enough she has the physicality to be wonder woman she is a strong impressive female and i never really got that impressive impression with Kristen wig but i think she pulled it off really well and like you said i think the performances were good and there was just some scenes that just fell flat for me i mean stefan said that um when we were talking earlier she, he thought you know uh gal Gadot g- did a good job on like the emotional scenes and those fell flat for me like when they were saying their goodbyes it's <laughs> another one where it was kind of silly it's like i i didn't think that the goodbye scene really had that emotional weight that I needed for it to really f- seem believable. But it also was just funny that he just kind of like goes behind a pillar and it's like, now I'm gone. <laughs> and the whole, and I, I thought the premise of the movie was kind of fun with like this wishing stone and that, you know, Pedro's 
it's like why would you want to be the stone idiot just make your one good wish and get on with it but it's like okay i see what he's trying to go for here i thought there were some interesting premises here and there but overall yeah there was just well, they, said they said monkey spa i started thinking of the simpsons treehouse of horror i'll be honest to you with you guys oh, yeah, oh, yeah. that's where i was at very early on in my viewing is like well this stuff's gonna go stray but overall it was you know it was unoffensive but you know it could have been more but i have a legitimate was, question about the post credit scene was I supposed to take anything from that beyond, hey, there's Linda Carter? Or is it like, hey, that character is going to do stuff. She's alive now. What? What? what how much am I supposed to care? I, I think, that is I think it's just a wink. Yeah. That is just fan service. Okay. The fact that she stared into the camera throughout the whole scene and, and she winked. delivered those lines and literally winked, I think that's... Well, they said she was like, she like gave, she like sacrificed herself, though, they said, though. So she's alive. She's the gold armor, Bobby. She's the gold armor mulligan, or what is it called? Uh... Whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Our, it's just to tie that all in. I don't know, honestly, DC villains. I know, okay, look, I know Batman villains. Like, I know Superman. I don't know Wonder Woman that well. Cheetah's the arch nemesis. Yeah, well, I, that's why it took me a while. I'm like, where are we going here? And I had to, like, look up. I'm like, where's she going to end up as? It's like, oh, Cheetah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I, I was okay. Yeah, it's a the way they made the movie. It's a shame that the way they made Cheetah in the movie. I mean... You're never going to see Cheetah again. Like, that was it. Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen Abomination since Incredible Hulk. No, what are you going to do? You're actually bringing him back, Bob, so. How are they bringing him? What do you mean? He was not okay at the end of that movie. She-Hulk. She-Hulk. They said She-Hulk. Abomination's coming back, baby. Who's playing, she- a, who's playing She-Hulk? I can't remember. They, they did capture, but I don't Stephon know. Stefan knows this. Tatiana Maslany. Um, oh, that's a good from- choice. Uh, Orphan Black. That show she does oh, where she God. plays a bunch of characters. Yeah. Orphan Black. Yeah. That's a show where I'm like, I don't have the uh, attention span to watch this. <laughs> question for you guys. If this movie had been made in 1984, would it have been the greatest superhero movie ever until 1989 when Batman came out? Sure, but it's a low bar. Standards were very low before, like, 2007 in superhero movies. Honestly, the stuff you like about the Batman why you gotta, movie... Why you got to put qualifiers on here, man? All well, look, man, look. If it would have been the greatest superhero Well, here's the thing. The Batman movie... as 1984. The Batman movie, a lot of why you like it is a lot of, like, it was Prince. fun. Also, Prince made one of the best movie soundtracks ever. But, like, it was... a That movie, a lot of it is just like, well, we're just going to ignore a lot of Batman and do things a different way, in fairness. Um... It was. I was. I think it was fine, man. I don't know what they. Yeah, we're really coming down hard on it. A big again. I wish I could remember the word he used, but essentially to say, it's a little inexcusable. The movie is as mediocre as it is. You just expect a bit, a bit more. Honestly, like. I mean, and it's how? Very, it's I, don't, I don't think we're coming down that hard. Steph, what were your expectations? though, in fairness, what were your Here expectations? You know why we're coming down hard on it? I'm the only one who said anything positive about it. An outright open, clear case shut positive. Did you? I, I, did I you said multiple times how it was a fun movie, and I stand by that. Okay, fun who, movie. who paid? Who paid the money, and who used somebody else's HBO account? Let me figure that out, too. Right, I that money. I got. The, I got that six month deal. <laughs> okay, you were marked in for six months. I bought it. Uh, I pay for it. Mike, you didn't pay for anything. I, I used my uh, Rocaro page. Okay, use our friends page. Stefan. Yeah, I have a, my family shares an account. So Mike is this negative. Mike is this negative and didn't pay a dime. Is really what I'm trying to put a what to take away. Here. I'm not. Oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. I I take umbrage to that. I'm not being negative. You guys have heard me negative towards a DC movie that Wonder Woman's in before. 
That's yeah. true. I think it's just, it's just one of those things when you're critiquing anything. There's just this film has a lot of things that you could critique, but I think you know at the end of the day, I mean, we, yeah. we, talk, we talked about Kristen Dunst had a good performance. How Pedro just had a blast doing this film. I think there's there's good things. I I you know I recommend if you haven't seen it and you're interested to definitely check it out. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's a long movie that isn't your way. I don't think it's a waste of your time. I said it's long, but like eh, watch it's it. It's unnecessarily long. They go. There's one stretch yeah. where it's an hour and fifteen minutes between action set pieces. The whole first comics. hour, so, I was like, so that's pretty rough. the whole first hour could have been about twenty minutes, honestly. No, that's it. the runtime. I'm saying, Mike, there was like an hour plus stretch of no action sequences yeah. in a comic book. Movie. I really think the that's first, what I mean about the pacing. I really think the first hour. Here's one thing I didn't. Here's one thing that didn't make sense to me. One thing. Right, I, it was a mediocre movie. Okay. It, I, there, there were, there were, there were moments I liked in the movie. Overall, I enjoyed the movie. Okay, before you guys start calling me a negative Nancy, but when they are in, I forget that country. Cairo was it? That's uh, not a country. They, they were in Cairo, right? They're Egypt. They're in Egypt. Okay. Yeah, they're um, somewhere in Africa. When I, and I rewinded the movie, it's like, wait a second. Did I like have a mini stroke? When did she get into her uniform? Where she's in the car one second in shotgun in normal clothing. And then literally like two seconds later, they cut away, they come back, and this chick is out of the car in all her Wonder Woman regalia. I'm like, wait, what the fuck happened here? <laughs> See, my I, mean, and, I, I like the suit. It's just weird that like she's also in this movie, she's supposed to be like super incognito. Like people don't even know who she is. Like, why have such a flashy suit that like those colors are popping, baby? Like people, you stand out when you're doing action and that shit. But it was fun. I had a fun time. I was going to say, Mike, the, the thing is... uh my sister had a problem with that suit scene. My stepdad had a problem with the invisible jet scene. My mom had a problem with the flying. And I summed it up with that uh, Simpsons quote when they go to the future with Lisa. And as Mar said, life sure has gotten a lot easier since they invented magic. And so that's what explains all the plot holes of this movie to me is, oh, she's magic. So I'll, that's why things things just happen. I'll say this. I wasn't ha- I didn't have that high of expectations. I didn't I thought Wonder Woman won Wonder Woman won. Well, the first Wonder Woman movie was fine. I didn't like it as I, li- I liked it a lot upon first review watching. I watched it again, and the second time I watched it, I was like, "Okay, I don't like this as much as I thought." I went into this one thinking like, "This is probably gonna be okay," and then after it was over, I'm like, "Oh, it was okay." Um, and it was there's things I liked, there's things I didn't like. I thought the guy who played Reagan was terrible. Like I, I like that guy. Like that guy was that, that guy was in uh, Raising Hope. Did they call him Reagan though, or did they just? He was just generic. No, nah, that dude's supposed to be Reagan. Come on, he had a Reagan haircut. Now it's supposed to be Reagan. It was not a good Reagan. <laughs> that was not a good Reagan. I like that actor too. Again, he was good on Raising Hope. It was a very underrated sitcom. But uh, that was not so great. Yeah, I kind of just lost the plot of what the main guy's goal was at times. Like he was just all over the He really came off as an 80s cokehead. He was just all over the place. And they couldn't have found a kid who looked less like him. That was yeah. Um, <laughs> my family, in particular, of note, uh, immediately asked the question: "If why does he have a Filipino son? Uh, why this guy's <laughs> yeah, I was son is just Asian all of a sudden?" Yeah, because he's like, it's Pedro Pascal. He's he's Spanish, right? I actually don't know. He's Chilean. He's Chilean. So immediately, I'm just like, so the mother is Chinese, Japanese, because how, yeah, how how we get how do we it. what was the equation we got here? <laughs> Is this guy an international man of mystery? How do we get this get to this kid? And it's not this child's fault, but I already associate Pedro Pascal as a dad with a different child. And all I could think of during his scenes was, yeah, Grogu's better. Also, the name Pedro would rather be with. The also, boy. the name Alistair. I'm just like, who was from what country that named this kid Alistair? That was that too. So, uh, I mean, another gripe I have with it is 
Maxwell Lord is a badass in DC Comics. And yeah, in this one, you know, Maxwell Lord was a, as you put it, he kind of reminds you of an 80s cokehead. They got that part right, though. Everybody in the 80s was doing cocaine. Should we talk about something we actually like? We're at an hour and 47 minutes, for the love of God. Oh, uh, I can talk about one one thing Go ahead. that I'm currently waiting for, for uh, episodes to come out on. Um, something that I recommended uh, Bobby to watch last last night is uh, the fourth season of it. It's uh, Attack on Titan Season 4. It's one of the rare animes that I watched that I have actually not read the manga for it. So I am getting the delightful surprise every week of where I don't know what's going to happen in the next episode. Um, and we're four episodes in. It's uh, really slow. It's like Wonder Woman slow when it comes to the pacing for this season. But I'm enjoying every second of it because this is going to be the last season. So... If you've never watched Attack on Titan, I highly recommend watching it, even if you are not an anime fan or someone who just doesn't watch anime. It's a very good show. It has a lot of political intrigue in it. And it's just, I don't know, it's really dark as well. So, and, and really well written. So, Attack on Titan, if you have a Wait, chance. I got a quick question for you on Attack on Titan, as I am admittedly behind. Where does this final season's intro song rank? Because this series, one thing I can't associate, it has pretty have big funky, opening songs. They have funky uh, entrance songs, yes. I would go up to put a number higher or lower on the scale. Are they coming out with a bang is what I'm asking. Are they going out with a bang? I like the song. Cool. I like the song. It's different. It, it's mm-hmm. not... It's not the, the songs you expect from an anime opening. It's not as militaristic, bombastic as some of the earlier ones? No. Okay. No, not at all. It, it's funky. Would not be expecting that. All right. Um, Marcus, you got anything you like this week? No, I'll pass for next week. Stefan, do you have anything you want to say? Oh, uh, yeah. I'll just keep it simple because um, we're coming off of Christmas week, you know? Um we don't need to be the ones to tell you about what this year has been. Um, but if anything, it's really, really hammered home for me is really appreciating the little things. Um, and if that's the one piece I can give anyone advice through your times where you're struggling or going through a hard time is finding joy and peace in the little things um, that really can help you get through. Um, I was just expecting to see my mom and my sister um, this Christmas but we were pleasantly surprised by seeing my sister, my other sister and her family, um, my niece and nephew, whom I'm especially close to. You've heard me talk about taking them to Comic-Cons and things like that. Um, I haven't seen any of them in months. Um, and they're in those formative years where they're entering high school. And if you ever had a close relationship to a nephew or anything, um, there's a sad period you experience where they feel like they're slipping away a little bit where they're kind of really growing into their own people and, you know, hanging out and nerding out with your uncle isn't as cool and fun as it used to be. Um, But seeing, like, getting to reignite that connection with them and them being really excited to see me and talk about them. My niece, she's just started uh, Naruto Shippuden. She binged the original Naruto in, like, two weeks, she said. And you knew I wanted to talk to her about that. She loves it. She's asking me who my favorite Akatsuki member is and all these things, and it's just so fun to see 
see it again through someone else's fresh eyes um, as they're going through it. And like I said, um, these little things can really give you the strength to get through a lot of really tough shit right now. So um, I hope everyone out there, um, you have something like that in your life where you can find that piece from. Because, um, you know, I'm not a religious person, so I don't use this word lightly, but I feel blessed to have those moments these days. So um, shout out to Christmas and family. Shout out to the listeners, my guys on this podcast. I'm getting a little sentimental as we get to the end of the year, but um, I love you all. And yeah, just thank you for being on this experience with us. Yeah. Um, just, uh, yeah, I'll talk about this next week. It's fine. Um, but I just want to say the next time we talk to you, it's going to be 2021. We're still going to be in this mess on some level. We're going to be on this mess probably for the first half of the year at least, but let's all do our best, man. And let's try to take care of each other a little bit because this was bad. It was a bad year. And nobody say 2021 is going to be their year. Please don't say that. Nobody put that evil on us. All you people who said that shit before 2020, look what you did. Look what you did. Yeah. So, let's, you know what? <laughs> Everybody keep it in your lane. Um, it'll be 2021. Let me talk to you next week, as I mentioned. I think Ryzen's got a show. If you want to watch it with your friends on New Year's yeah, Eve. I mean, There's nothing going on. Week. There's nothing going on. My, I, I have half convinced Mike to stay up till three in the morning to watch New Japan with me, but then we realized it's like on a Thursday, so the whole plan fell apart. But you know what? Is that this Thursday? I don't know. It's like it's always on January fourth, so I guess next. Oh, yeah, well, that's that's a Monday, bro. Well, there we go. Mm-hmm. So there, that's not happening. Um, and also, man, got feel for anyway. Let's talk about that another time. Well, thank you all very much for listening to us this year. Um, we know we were all over the place, quite frankly. There was a whole stretch where there was no MMA and we were just talking and doing brackets and we did another bracket today because we just, it's fun for us. We'll probably do another one another time. Um, not making any promises. I'd like to do our end of the year awards at the next week. Normally I compile them, but normally uh, my brain isn't mush in terms of what happened in the last year in MMA. So we, me and the guys are going to get together, see if we can build this thing, try to give you guys our picks next week for of the year. Um, we'll see if there's any news. You know, we we didn't even mention it today, but we got dudes just leaving the UFC, winning and showing up in PFL, signing PFL three days later, like pretty Tony Pennis. So we'll see if we get more stuff like that going on. You know, we'll see if, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting year. The UFC is getting the shit suit out of them. They're saying they're going to cut 60 people. Maybe Bellator is going to do something. Maybe PFL is going to do something. Maybe Ryzen, oh, people can't go to Japan, but maybe Ryzen will do something. Maybe one's going to do something. We'll see. So uh, it's another year of It's I'm Amazing. We'll be back next week. Um, just take care of yourselves and take care of each other. I was Dr. Law. That was Kid Presentable. That was DJ Mark. That was Lavender Gooms. And for the first, for the last time in 2020, peace out. See ya. Cheers. Peace.